I mean, by the time this comes out, you'll have been sentenced. I don't know currently as of right now, but it won't be that much longer. I, I hop on. We have like $21,000 in sales. So we went from like 500 <laughs> to then 21000 just like that. There are services on the darknet that you could go to where you exchange that piece of gold. Well, it turns out the FBI also had control of that service too. And they were catching a lot of people trying to wash their money. Have you considered selling stuff on Etsy? Like maybe stuff that's not um, banned by the federal government? Every law enforcement agency in the world, and you have the most advanced units in those agencies after you. You have every single hacker in the world trying to demand ransom from you, trying to hack you. You have other markets competing with you that will also, who are also very technically advanced people that will try to mess up your website just to drive traffic to their website. Hey, this is Matt Cox, and I'm going to be doing an interview with Colby Cop. He was actually indicted and is awaiting actually by the time this by the time this video comes out he'll have he'll have been sentenced and either be waiting to turn himself in or on his way in, on a bus uh on his way to um uh to a, a short vacation and so he he was indicted for how can i put this uh, he was a a dark market or what a dark web um counterfeit pill dealer let's put it that way so it's going to be an interesting interesting story every time i've talked to him i've, I've uh, unfortunately i know i'm not supposed to laugh about it but i've laughed about it and uh it's an interesting story so check this out why are What's you up? laughing about my story so much <laughs> i because you're always you know you're telling me what when you were telling me what happened you were laughing and you were like jovially not laughing in a bad way, but you're, 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 you're like me. Like, I mean, you know, like I'm going to laugh at pretty much anything just yeah. because it's just how I get through the day or how I get through anything. I try and I find the humor in pretty much everything. Otherwise you're walking around crying all the time, you know? And nah, right. Nah. So I'm just going to try and see the humor in everything. You got to stay, you got to stay calm. That's the thing I'm learning going through this process. You got to, your mental health is paramount because you'll go crazy. Yeah. 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 If you're strong mentally and you go to jail, or to, I mean, to prison, you can figure out pretty quickly um, how to make that time work for you. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, so, so let's let's go back. Let's start at the, at the beginning. Like, I mean, you know, where like where where'd you grow up? I grew up in a small town called uh, Winstead, Connecticut. It's it's rural. It's now it's outside of like uh, some mid-sized cities. I mean, it only has really like five thousand people in it. Um, wow! It's a yeah, but it's like a it's a it's eclectic, we'll say. So like we have a, a a lake in the middle of our town where you'll have like rich New Yorkers come for their summer homes, but then if you go to Main Street, you'll have literally like crackheads wandering around. So. <laughs> Okay. It's uh it's an eclectic mix of people. Yeah, I think you've got you've, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much that's there's lots of places like that. Even even where I live, I live way out in the suburbs. You still see guys like like I don't know where they're going. Like this dude's gonna be walking <laughs> for a while. He's got he's got a grocery cart 
packed another one he's pulling it i'm like i don't know where that guy's going like it's a 10 minute gopro on them to see (laughs) i don't know this guy he's gonna be walking a while so (laughs) but yeah yeah they're 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 everywhere so um you know and and i'm sure he's a very nice person um anyway so you grew up in a so small town five thousand people that seems extremely small but um so so um what you uh you were were your parents married you have two brothers you got a sister so I, I grew up with uh only my mother um my father divorced her when i was like two years old and then eventually she met my stepfather and then they had my sister um then over time she divorced him as well and now it's just my mother and my sister and i okay um when did so where'd you go to high school i went to high school in a um it's like it's it's a semi-private high school called the gilbert school um the town we don't have like an actual like government high school so they had to pay to send everybody there so it was it was good i had a, a an idyllic high school experience i never touched a drug until i was 19 years old um, I played football. I had good grades. I had a 4.1 GPA. Um, I did cross country. I did track and field. I did wrestling. Um, I did a lot of other extracurriculars like Model UN. Um, I got to learn Mandarin Chinese in high school. We had a lot of exchange students over from China. So that was an immersive experience in learning about other cultures that I really enjoyed. Okay. And so now it, it's the leap, the leap to counterfeit drugs makes total sense to me now. No, I mean, so how did, when did, so you're 19, you graduate high school, you're 19 and you, you started. So let me, let me, let me, off. so I'm hanging out with my, like, uh, I was part of like, I did football and everything, but like, look at me, I'm a nerd, right? I was with my like a uh, geeky friends, if you will. So there's my friend named Ty. And, you know, in, in, in around where I'm at, the marijuana is not good. <laughs> okay. But he shows up to, uh, to our social gathering with an ounce of the most beautiful pot I have seen at that point in my life. And I know damn well, Ty does not have the social skills <laughs> to go out there and ascertain said weed. So I'm sitting there just staring at him like, Ty, where did you get this? Because I know you don't. You don't leave your house like literally ever. You're a shut-in. And he's like, get a laptop. I'm going to show you something really cool. And I'm like, a laptop? For what? And he's like, just listen. Just stop talking. Just listen. And he opened up a laptop. And he uh, he he uh, used this special software called Tor, the onion router, to access this thing called the dark web which is a portion of the internet that's not normally indexed by search engines, you know, like Google and Bing and Yahoo. You need to use special, the special software Tor in order to access it, right? So he goes on there and he proceeds to go to, at the time, Dream Market, a darknet market. Darknet market is basically an Amazon for illicit things, you know, counterfeit credit cards, uh, folds, um, of course, narcotics. So he goes on there and he shows me the um, the vendor account of the person he purchased the weed from. And this dude is making like $15,000 a day just selling weed. And I'm like, is this real? Like you bought 
you, how did you get the wheat from this guy? And he's like, well, I got some, I purchased some, some cryptocurrency, some Bitcoin. I sent it to him and then he sent me weed. Once I opened up my package, pretty much like, pause, pause, pause. He mailed you drugs. Yeah. Through who? USPS. <laughs> yeah, that's and another like, charge. Yeah. And I'm like, let me get this straight. The mailman brought you this weed. He said, yes. And I'm like, okay, can we order some acid? <laughs> so we proceed to order acid and marijuana and, you know, various stuff just for ourselves, for personal use. And then one day while I'm sitting there with my friends and we're tripping acid, I look at them and I'm like, guys, how much is the weed on there? And they told me. And I'm like, you know, I know some people that sell weed around here. This weed is a lot better, and it's literally like $800 cheaper for one pound. So why don't we order it and go to our friends, my people that I know that already sell weed, and just sell it to them? And they all looked at me like I was crazy. And I'm like, no, no, it's very simple. It's just weed. It's harmless. But then, as we all know, you start with one seemingly innocent thing, <laughs> and yeah. then you just go, go, go from there, right? <laughs> so, you know, after a while, we start getting pounds of weed, and I'm doing my thing, and I'm selling it. Um, Through the mail. One day, I meet one of my friends. And this is, wait, this is all through the mail. This is all through the mail. I get how, it to the point. Oops, how long ago is this? Because you're, what? This, how old are you? I was 19 at the time. But how old are you now? I'm 24 currently. Okay, so this wasn't that long ago. No. Okay. No. Sorry, I just, I haven't heard any recent stories um, about like the dark web that is that recent. Um, I mean, I guess I interviewed a guy the other day, but his was lo a long time ago. His happened back, I want to say in 90... I want to say it was in 2008 or something like this is pretty recent. And I talked to a guy or maybe it was no, it was still listen. It was at least at least 10 years ago. I'm pretty sure. So and then I talked to a guy who was a reshipper. I didn't interview him, but he was a reshipper and he was getting orders in and then from other countries. And then they would send him bulk packages and he would reship it from inside the United States, because if it's shipped from inside the United States, there's less scrutiny. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Domestic packages don't really get flagged. You get caught usually getting packages from, let's say, India, China, Pakistan, and then it gets flagged by customs. Right. Yeah. Okay. So this is well, cool. So this is only like five years ago, four or five years ago. Yeah. Well, really up till recently, too, I know. But go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to yeah. interrupt. No, no, that's okay. That's okay. It's your show. <laughs> right. Well, so I, I meet a friend, Dan, after a while, and I start selling him weed. And he's like, you know, my dad sells a lot of Coke. And I'm like, Coke? Well, I can't deal with that. That's crazy. What are you talking, cocaine? <laughs> and he's like, hold on now. He's like, just, just go on there and go on there and show me. You know, eventually, of course, me being an idiot, I go on there. I order some cocaine. I get it in the mail. I didn't know it at the time, but this was literally like cocaine around here on the east coast is 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 it's 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 what's called stepped on meaning people have added adulterants to it and they dilute it in order to make more money the right. cocaine that i ordered 
was basically pure in an American context. It was it was only stepped on one time, and that was from whatever Mexican person I purchased it from. Right. right? So he takes this to his dad, who is a large cocaine dealer, and he's working for a, a biker gang locally. Um, and I knew of the dad. He was actually one of my neighbors <laughs> when I was growing up. I, 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 I was in high school literally with his kid, right? The kid right. that I'm talking about, the kid that I'm selling weed with, right? So we take the cocaine to his dad, and he looked at the cocaine. He's like, how much can you get? And I'm like, well, really, how much do you want? And he's like, you can get consistent drugs off, off the internet. And I'm like, yeah. He literally looked me in the eyes and he's like, if you do that, I can make you rich. And I'm like, really? That sounds great. <laughs> I would like to be rich. I would love to be rich. And of course, me being a stupid 19 year old, I keep indulging and I keep going down. I keep um, accelerating, if you will, because before it was just a little bit of weed or some magic mushrooms or something that's harmless. But now it's cocaine. <laughs> can it right. get any worse <laughs> well so you know remember how i said that this 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 gentleman was a was a was a pretty decently sized local cocaine dealer right and he was working with bikers well it turned out the leader of that biker gang was um insane and he one day was driving around was insane because he was on a bunch of drugs and there was an elderly couple that, you know, was driving poorly around him. So instead of just honking his horn like a normal person, he proceeds to point a Mac-10 at them and started saying he's going to kill them. <laughs> so he gets busted and the cops know he's a leader of a gang. They open his trunk and what do you know? There's tons of Xanax, there's tons of cocaine, and an, he had an illegal firearm on him. So automatically the feds are coming in because of the amount of drugs he had. And it turns out, the uh, DEA was already investigating this biker gang and they started indicting tons of people, right? So my friend's dad, he did not have any charges. They, they weren't able to get him, right? So we still keep doing our thing for about a year and a half, right? We're just, you know, I'm just living my normal life. I have a normal job but I'm still ordering shit off the internet and reselling it. That's my real job, right? Right. Are you still One living day, at home? Huh? Are you still living at home? Yes. This entire time I was living at my house. Your poor, <laughs> your, your poor mother. I didn't ever order drugs to my house. Right. <laughs> okay. One day he's sitting with me and he's like, listen, um, we're getting all these drugs off the internet. What's like... Who are we getting it from? And I'm like, well, I don't exactly know literally who it is, but they're like, it's like a, it's like a seller profile, like that you would see on Amazon, how you see like a screen name and you don't get to know the details of the person sending you whatever you're purchasing. You just see a, an online handle. And he's like, so they're like online accounts. I'm like, yeah. He's like, wait a second. Is there like an open registration for that? And I'm like, well, yeah, anybody could go on there and try to sell something. He's like, really? Really? And I'm like, yeah. So he's like, open it up and show me. He's like, I have an idea. He's like, when I was living out in Colorado, I knew a, a group of people that came up from Mexico and they got a pill press and they made a bunch of fake oxys. They're not with Percocets, Percocet 30s. And then they would resell them. 
So they would take active ingredients. They would manufacture uh, counterfeit Percocets for like 50 cents. And then they could turn around and sell them for like 10, 15, 20, $25 even, depending on what level of the dealing you're at. Right. So I'm like, really? And he's like, the only problem is we don't have the, the capabilities to manufacture that. And I'm like, okay, I think I could work on that. So at the time I was studying computer science at um, University of Connecticut. So I have some knowledge about, about computers, right? So I'm on these websites and I'm trying to attain a pharmaceutical grade pill press. And uh, no one wants to even talk to me because they can see that my IP is like a normal residential IP the IP address for my computer, for my router at the, the home I was at. So I looked up a list of registered pharmaceutical vendors. And then I spoofed their IP, meaning I basically made it look like my IP was their IP. <laughs> I ordered, <laughs> I ordered a pill press, rerouted it to a different destination. And then I, I ordered the most basic components. So, you know, if something happened, it wouldn't raise too many alarm bells. And then I ordered the rest of the more advanced components from China so we could assemble everything ourselves instead of buying a $5,000 machine that's just ready to be plugged in and go and, and ready to go. Right. I, I just bought the thing that like presses the pills like effectively. And then everything else I purchased from China and had okay. it sent in piece by piece and because if you buy a whole pill press from China, the DEA will come ask you questions. Men right. in suits will show up to your house. So you got to be you gotta, you got to be smart with that. And also, I learned that there's a place where I could attain a pharmaceutical compression binder. Meaning, when you have a pill, right, a pill that you take, let's say blood pressure medication. There's a matrix that the, the medicine goes into. Usually it's like um, a calcium-based matrix that you press the pill and it that gives the pill its shape and it makes it hard enough so that it won't dissolve immediately in your stomach and, and, and kill you. <laughs> okay. Because I, I, I wanted an actual pharmaceutical grade um, time-released compression binder because I don't want people dying from the product we're making. Right. So yeah, that, that tends to bring uh, scrutiny. Yes. <laughs> yes, that does. So believe it or not, there are entire websites dedicated to people that make counterfeit pills. <laughs> and <laughs> what do you know? The pharmaceutical grade compression binder is right there. And I could pay in cryptocurrency. So it's anonymous. Right. Okay. There's the service called BitPay that you could use because I don't want to put any billing information on something like that. That would be absurd. You'd be on a government watch list. So I attained a couple kilograms of this pharmaceutical compression binder. So over this took about six months to actually pull off. And then once everything was made. We made a batch of pills. And then we sold them locally. And people loved them. We were one of the only people around here that had the capabilities to make them and sell them for that cheap. So then eventually we got our stock up enough to be able to then like, okay, let's, 
let's try our hand on the dark web. Right. What is your what is your buddy's? This is still your buddy's dad. Yes. Is about is he still it like I mean what's happening since it's taking so long? I mean he you guys are still I'm assuming you're still bringing in the coke and selling coke. So you're yes. still doing that operation. This is just you're working on this simultaneously. Yeah, so he was still he was still selling cocaine and marijuana, you know, on a local level. You know, he we were just living our lives essentially while we were prepping for our business. Right. Okay. Right. So then I would say Jan late January, right around my birthday of 2020, we finally turn on a vendor account on a website called Empire Market. This was the premier dark net market in the world. It had about 2 million people that would use it. It had 2 million active users. Okay. Okay. The, the name of my um, darknet market was Mad Hatter Pharma, right? That was the, the screen handle we used. So naturally, if you're just a new player on the scene, you, you, have, to, that, you have to be a businessman if you want to make money on the dark web. It's not like traditional drug dealing. In traditional drug dealing, if you just have the best stuff, drugs sell themselves. Right. But if you're on a website where you could see 50 different people that sell the same exact thing, then the appeal of drugs selling themselves doesn't work for you. You have right. to actually use business skills in order to do that. So I looked at our. Well, yeah. I was going to say, and periodically, these guys are, are ripping each other off, too. Right. Because. Yes. It is oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So they, your name, they try to sabotage each other. Yeah. Your credibility is a big deal. You, everything your credibility okay. is literally the ter determining factor in your success on the dark web okay. if you don't have credibility you will not make money all right so, so I, go, I go excuse me so how'd you get credibility so there so there the ecosystem that exists on the dark web it's there are forums that are that are separate from the markets and then there are the markets where people go and transact but there's an independent forum at the time it was called dread that was the name of the forum. And there's very, it's like, uh, it's like Reddit, except it's an exact copy of Reddit. It's just called Dread. So it's a okay. separate service that a person who's called Hugbunter has control over, right? And he's like the main man on the web. Like if you want to advertise something, you go to this website and you go to the, to the, to the sub uh, forum. In my case, it was the opioid forum. And I had to talk to the admin and I'm like, listen, um, I'm a brand new opioid dealer and I would like to give away some products in exchange for reviews. And then eventually um, I could get what's called a vendor flare. Think of that like a blue check mark on Twitter. Like people get to know like this is a real certified person. Right. right. So he's like, listen, get get your first 10 legitimate sales after your free giveaway. So, you know, when people review the free stuff you give away, I'm not going to count that as a sale. But after your 10 organic sales, I'll give you a vendor flare and that will lend you a lot more credibility. So I'm like, OK, this is going to be a process. So we give away about a thousand pills over a, a month period. Right. There was hundreds of people that left that left reviews. Right. So I have a name buzzing around me. Obviously, 
that's going to that's going to drum up some organic traffic. And what I mean organic is you're just listed on there and people search you up. People right. actively look for you, right? So at that time we're only making like 3, 4, 500 dollars a day with the organic traffic, right? But is then, that profit or just sales? Just sales, period. Okay. I mean, it only cost us about 50 cents to make each pill, but still like $500 is still $500, no matter the yeah. profit margin, right? So then eventually we get the 10 organic sales, right? When when the people clear the escrow, right? So darknet markets, you don't get paid right away. The, the darknet market holds the money for the buyer, right? I have to send the buyer the drugs. They open it up. They're like, this is good. And then they go onto their account and release my money for me. Right. Right. It sounds like a sketchy system, but it works like 90 percent of the it time. Actually it sounds works. better for, you know, it sounds better for the for for the customer for, you know, you know what I'm saying? It, it builds credibility. Like if this guy yeah. has got the check, he says it's going to ship, it's going to ship. You don't nobody's getting screwed over. You have to trust the administrator, of course. <laughs> and we'll get to that later. Right. Believe me, there's a lot of trust in the administrator. <laughs> okay, so I get the vendor flare on the forum, right? So now people know I'm a real certified vendor. Like when I talk on the forum on Dread, they see Mad Hatter Pharma, and I have an, the little check mark next to my name. So I do uh, an advertisement campaign on every single darknet forum. Dread is just the biggest one, but there's two or three other ones, right? Honestly, I can't remember the name of the two smaller ones. I only went on them the one time. So I go on all the forums and I present my new product listing. Now I actually made it now it, on my vendor account. All I had was a free giveaway as my product listing. But now I made the actual legitimate product listing, right? So I revamped it. So now I have tiers because before all you could do was buy like 10 pills at a clip, okay. you know? So I was still making, I was still making money off of my samples after I gave away the pills. So I had to, I had to, I had to try to entice people with that model. And then I could go to a full scale open model. You order as many as you want. Right. There is, um, remember how I said that this was all organic traffic, right? You're also able to create. I guess you could call it synthetic traffic. There's um, there's this thing called a sticky, if you will, for your listing. So I'm able to go on Empire Market. I could pay Empire Market money in order to take my listing and put it at the tippity top <laughs> of the opioid ratings, okay. right? So when people search Perk, Percocet, Oxycodone, you know, it goes off of keywords and I get to choose the keywords myself. So I put like a thousand different keywords, anything relating to pressed pills. Anytime people would search up pressed pills in the opioid section, my store would pop up. So we do the sticky, right? I wake up the next day after I did the sticky. I did the sticky at like one in the morning. I wake up at like 1230 the next day. I, I hop on. We have like $21,000 in sales. So we went from like 500 <laughs> to then 21,000 just like that. <laughs> I mean, can you make that many pills that quickly? Like, don't you have to have them shipped out in a certain period of time? 
we already had the stocks already in reserve because what we did is we would have people, we would sell them in person as well to just bolster our supply. Okay. We did that Anger. at first because we knew we needed to have the inventory in order for this to work. Because I told him, like, the way that internet businesses work is it's going to be slow, it's going to be slow, it's going to be slow. But when it picks up, it picks up and it does not stop. It just goes. It's like a rocket right. ship. And Another reason I was able to, to get a lot of customers is I would I would I like to call it guerrilla advertisement. You know how like the Viet Cong would do guerrilla warfare. Right. I was actually a smaller like twenty thousand dollars sounds like a lot. Right. But I was like the sixth or seventh uh, Percocet vendor at the time. There were dudes making over one hundred fifty thousand dollars a day doing this. They were much, much, much larger than me. But if a, there's a large business, the emphasis on, on, on your customer relations diminishes because at that point, you're just focusing on getting the products out. So the larger vendors would, would mess up, you know, they would have bad batches or they would have exorbitantly long shipping times. And I would be sitting on the forum. I would be seeing like a text thread of like 45 people complaining and I would just go message all of them. I'm like, hey, I'll send you a free pill if you just want to check me out. And I would right. do that. I did that to hundreds of people. And then eventually, you know, my turnover rate was about 70% because they're already pissed at their vendor. So 70% of the time, the people are going to come to me. And then on top of that, when they actually search me up, they see like a legitimately established vendor. Like I don't look sketchy. I don't look like a scammer. All my reviews at that point are good. Right. Right. So you're, yeah, you're getting your stuff out right away. You've got your check mark. You got yeah. your blue check mark. Yeah, the whole thing. Yes. So right. that creates a positive feedback loop, right? So when a random person goes on Empire Market and they just type in Percocet, they're not necessarily going on the forum to vet, you know, like, oh, who's the good vendor? Who's what? A lot of people don't do that. They just hop on the market and they just want to buy drugs. They don't want to yeah. do all that extra work. So now they're going to see me as a credible established vendor. And I'm a, and also being the new kid on the block that's proven himself is advantageous in that industry because again, you know, the the, the guys that get really big, they're not going to give you the 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 satis the customer satisfaction that I was able to afford you at first. <laughs> Cuz eventually I was getting so many orders, I couldn't have that mom and pop, you know, air to my business. I, I couldn't do that. It was just too much. I would wake up and there would be almost a thousand messages to my account daily, if you will. So I, I just couldn't answer all of them. It would take hours and hours and hours. And I'm already working 12, 13 hours a day because on right. the internet side of things, I was doing everything, advertising, customer relations, you know, uh, the, the e-commerce. Um, I'm scoping out my competitors, everything. You couldn't get an assistant? No, we're running, we're running an illegal an ad, an ad in Craigslist. <laughs> maybe, maybe I should have done that. This is going to sound sketchy, but I need an assistant to help run my illegal uh, counterfeit pill business. Have to pay in Bitcoin, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> He's been known to cure insecurity just with his laugh. His organ donation card lists his charisma. His smile is so contagious. Vaccines have been created for it. 
He is the most interesting man in the world. I don't typically commit crime, but when I do, it's bank fraud. Stay greedy, my friends. Support the channel. Join Matthew Cox's Patreon. We're starting to blow up a little bit. I wake right. up to like $20,000 in sales, right? Right, right. Well, here's the issue with any online business, any escrow-based business, right? Any online dark web business, that is. You don't get the money right away. And again, every individual package, this is going all across the country. So the time of delivery, it's called tour to door in the industry. The How long it takes from the person placing the order to how long they're opening the package. That's called tour to door, right? That That's going to vary for literally every single person based on their region, based on like, you know, what time of year it is. So I see $20,000 plus in sales. That doesn't mean I have access to $20,000 in capital, you know? So right. it's it's segmented. It's segmented. So I would wake up and there would be four, five, you know, sometimes $10,000 available to me in cryptocurrency. And that's another issue. I have to take the cryptocurrency and I need to figure out a way to convert that to convert actual it. cash. Right. right. So you can then turn around and go buy the chemicals to start the whole process over again. Exactly. We didn't have to do that at first because, again, we had our our uh, our in-person businesses going. But <laughs> over time, as any businessman knows, you're going to get strapped for cash. You, you know, you're doing so much business. You don't have working capital to do anything. Right. Right. So did, so, you, did you consider going to the bank and explaining this to them and trying to get like a credit line to kind maybe of... Maybe with a fake idea, I would, but not... I mean, hey, listen, I'm bringing in a lot of money. I'm having a cash flow problem, but I promise it's coming in. <laughs> maybe Wells Fargo would do it, you know, yeah. looking at the news with all the criminals they deal with. <laughs> so what happened? Would you... Toward well, it or... Um, we would, I mean, we would, we would get bottlenecked and I would have to go on what's called vacation mode at times. Right. Cause I would, I would, uh, I would, you know, I pause, I would pause all incoming orders, all people that I couldn't fulfill. I would just refund them their money. I'm not trying to do anything shady. Right. Right. So capital would get freed up. I would go on vacation mode for a week or two at a time and have all the money. Cause I'm, you know, I'm 20,000, you know, 10, 15, 20, 25, maybe even 30,000 some days would come in. Right. But so on a weekly period, it could be anywhere from like 60 to 110,000. So I would just, I would vacation mode. I would let the money come in, you know, or as much as that, as that would in a weekly period, it would be about 40, 50, $60,000. And then we could just resume. Right. Why aren't your buddies helping you out? Why aren't they what, are. what happened to the biker guy and and your 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 his son? And I mean, they, aren't they in on this? No, his son isn't in on this. Okay. The biker guy is my business partner. I yeah. am not touching any drugs at all. Everybody is shipping everything out for me. I'm not even living near the actual like the the, the manufacturing of the drugs. I only exclusively deal with the internet aspect of things. So I don't practically not even involved. <laughs> the the federal you're government like, would disagree. You're like you're like the guy driving that. Like, listen, I I wasn't robbing the bank. I was just driving the getaway car. <laughs> oh, well, you're not even involved. Exactly. I'm just on the the computer. Boop, 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 boop. Like that's that's all I do. 
I no, they actually gave me a modifier to my charges just because it's a, it's a two level increase for distributing narcotics on the computer. Oh, okay. I was gonna say uh, access. No, wait, what were they say? access? Um, no, oh, yeah, yeah, that's access. No, I got a, a, a I got one of my enhancements was a, a specialty device, which was a computer <laughs> specialty device. I used the computer. They're like, it's a specialty device. Like, what does that mean? Everybody uses it's, the computer. It's a specialty device. I mean, the federal government can just make this stuff up. And what are you going to do? They have the guns. They have the prisons and the judges. <laughs> that you've heard. I think you've heard me say. You must have heard me say that. I've said exactly <laughs> that. Really? I've been like every time I talk to one of these sovereign citizen guys that say, you know, oh, you you don't have to pay your taxes if you look at the the the, the Congress never ratified the thirteenth, fourteenth, seventeenth. Stop, 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 bro. They got the guns. They got they got the prisons. They got the law enforcement. Like you're going to jail. You can complain the whole time you're doing your sentence that you shouldn't be there. If you're going to do the sentence. Yep. <laughs> so it's just a bad argument. Yeah. Yeah. So so what? So bottleneck. You're on vacation mode. So eventually, I realize something, and my business partner realizes something. In order to meet all of the incoming orders, we either need to have more product or we need to drive down our current costs of, of, you know, of the product, right? In order to do that, we need to meet new suppliers because we're getting it from local people. I mean, we were getting our active ingredient from um, a gang at the time, but their prices are, they're still terrible in, you know, gang. relatively speaking. <laughs> Gangs. They don't know how to do business. No, they don't. They don't. They don't have to do business. So hard headed. So eventually, my my business partner is telling me he's like, I used to live out in Colorado. Um, I have some friends who are from the south of the border, let's say, and they could they could really help us with this situation. They could uh, they get us what is they get us what we need. I'm like, really? Um, are you? I'm like, are you are you crazy? <laughs> He's like, listen, listen, these people, they're business people. It's not like it's not like how it is in the movies. They don't want to come harm Americans. Right. They don't want to do that. They're actually incredibly professional. I would rather deal with those types of criminal organizations over any American organization, to be honest, because Americans kill other Americans. They right. will not. Right. <laughs> you know, it has to be an extreme situation. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're, they're very much about like you can even I mean, I've you can I've known guys that there have been major problems, like millions of dollars missing. And they've gone and gone to him and said, OK, what's your payment plan? Like, like how are you going to get us this money back where you yeah. would think, no, you're going to he's going to end up in a bucket somewhere. No, you know, no, no. Now, if it happens again, you got a problem. But as long as you start paying and doing what you're, you know. So, yeah, yeah. it's 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 it's. it's it's a, uh, you know, it's forgiving once. No, it's a forgiving. Forgiving business. is an interesting word. <laughs> so what, what, uh, what, uh, what happened? So you've got, you got suppliers. So at this whole time we were on empire market, you know, we were, we were being bottlenecked. We were um, going into vacation mode all the time, but we were still making tons of money. Right. So eventually my friend, like he, he brought this up to me and then it was like another, you know, month or two later. And then he sat me down and he was like, okay, listen, 
we're going to go take a road trip, you and me. We're going to go take a road trip. And I'm like, okay. He's like, put the store on vacation mode, but bring your computer with you or bring your flash drive with you, right? Because there's the normal computer that like we're on, right? But the actual store, if you will, was on an encrypted flash drive that I had, right? And I would, pl I could plug it into any computer and it used a special software called Tails Operating System. It's known, it's known as an amnesic operating system, meaning every time I rip it out, it forgets everything, right? It deletes all information. I had to memorize all the passwords up here, right, to get back onto everything. Because if the federal government blows in my door, all I have to do is rip that flash drive out of the computer. Everything on the local drive of the computer gets wiped and everything is, is encrypted in a flash drive. And they would not, it would take a thousand years to get access to that, mathematically speaking, right? So all I had to do, I had literally, I would wear it on a necklace, right? I would keep it right here. I would always know where it is. I would literally would sleep with it on my neck like you never ever go to sleep or go away from your computer ever so many people have been caught because of that silly little mistake so many people you right. know so i was bringing the flash drive with me and he's like we'll just you know we'll just get a computer out there and we're gonna go show my friend so we're going we're going we're going on a long 13 14 hour drive and we go to a place it's very rural very, very rural. It's still in the United States, but it's incredibly rural, right? We get to like, a, it's out in like the desert. So we get to like a mountain compound, if you will. We drive up like for like 25 minutes. And then we get to a gate <laughs> with like Brahmin skulls on it, right? <laughs> and you have to like press a button to just have the guy come. And I hear a, I hear a, a, a guy, someone say, hey, que pasa, papu? How are you doing? These guys are old friends. So he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to send my, I'm going to send my people to come open the gate. There's like three dudes with guns that come open the gate to come introduce us and bring us over. There is pot growing everywhere. There's probably like, I saw probably like 900 pot plants just on this mountain, just growing. I saw a greenhouse with an indoor pot grow right there too. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> where am I? <laughs> right. So we go inside the uh, the house, and I got introduced to a to a serious serious dude. He's very friendly, but I could tell just by looking at him, I'm like this this dude is this right. dude is he's he's very serious. He's 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 a serious guy. <laughs> so we get to talking, you know. We do a little cocaine. We're having a good time. We're drinking. Him and I did cocaine and drank tequila all night long. And then after, you know, after our uh, pleasantries were exchanged, we woke up the next day, right? I'm sitting in the living room and my business partner and his friend is talking about business. So naturally, I just walk away because I don't want to be disrespectful. This dude looks over at me. He's like, come over here. You're a boss, too. I'm like, excuse me? He's like, you're a boss, too. I know about you. Don't think you'd be at my house if I didn't know about you. Come over here. Let's have a conversation, right? Remember how you explained earlier that the website has to be a trusted administrator of the funds and the monies, right? Right. So again, would you like me to reiterate how the system works just to break it down to the audience? 
Yeah, just, yeah, they, yes. Okay, so let's say Matt Cox wants to buy an ounce of marijuana from me, all right? I send you the marijuana, no, you place the order on Empire Market. You get uh, $200 worth of Bitcoin. Empire Market holds that in an escrow account and facilitates all the, um, the, um, the aspects of the transaction. So I see it in a little vendor panel. I see, you know, your name, your details, and, uh, you know, I get your package ready. I pack it up and I send it to you. Eventually, when you see it, you're like, wow, this is cool. So I'm going to open it up. I'm going to, I like it. I smoked it. It's good weed. You go on to the, uh, you go on to your um, buyer account and you release the $200 to me and immediately it gets released to me. Well, here's the issue with that model. There is absolutely nothing stopping the, <laughs> the facilitator of this transaction from just taking all the money and shutting down the website. Right. I was going to say, well, first of all, weren't you saying that they, they hold it for a while, right? They hold it. They don't release they hold your money. hold it until the person releases the funds. That's to because to, to, there's a lot okay. of scammers on there. There's yeah, I didn't even understand that. Shit. I thought maybe they held it past that date for a certain period of time. No, no, okay. no, no. When the customer releases it, it's it's in it's in your account. You okay, know? and that that's why you were explaining the. Um, I thought it was a, in addition to the tour to door gap that period. I thought there was an additional period after that. No, no. Okay, no. cool. Got it. Got it. No. Um, there's like special circumstances where really big vendors can apply to be like, listen, I want to give my money right up front, but I've already made, I've already, I've already sold like 10, $15 million worth of stuff on your platform. Like, you know what, you know, you know, I'm not going to just start scamming people all of a sudden, but that's those, those guys are unicorns. They're not going to let just anybody do that. Even me at the time, you know, with hundreds of thousands of dollars in transactions, I'm still a, a small fish in a very right. large pond, right? So as I'm trying to log on to the computer, we bought a computer before we went up to the guy's house. And Harry's like, okay, open this up and show me. He's an old school type of guy. He thinks all this internet stuff is bullshit, you know? You so I'm me. trying to I'm trying to get on Empire Market and it's not working. And I'm like, okay, some a lot of the times there's these things called DDoS attacks, distributed denial of service attacks. Basically, somebody floods a website with a bunch of fake traffic to overload the website server in order to make people not want to go use it because it's it's a horrible experience to use. It'll take fucking two hours to just do one transaction, whereas it would take 10 minutes normally. Right. And usually this is hackers demanding ransom or like other markets trying to direct traffic to their market because this is the biggest market in the world at the time. Right. So I'm thinking it's a normal DDoS attack. Right. Because this stuff would happen periodically. You, you would no one would be able to get on for like two days at a clip. Well, here's the thing. Right. Since I'm a mid-sized vendor, I'm big enough to where the admins of the website would give me and other vendors like me special links to get on the website. Right. Because they, it can't facilitate the normal traffic of a couple hundred thousand people at a time. But it could facilitate, you know, like two or three thousand people, the vendors going in there to get their money out. Because, again, anytime the website's not working, you're thinking immediately they're exit scamming and they're stealing our money. So they specifically give you those links if you're a vendor to, you know, to us to, to, to try to so you could go on there and get your money out. Right. So they right. don't scare you. 
Well, I use my, I have 10 of those links. I used all, I tried to use all 10 of those links to get on the website and it did not work. So oh, now yeah. I'm legitimately, I'm like, oh my God, we have like $150,000 in escrow. And mind you, just because we're making 100,000 so out a week, remember how I said, not all of it comes out at once. And also I have a whole operation we're dealing with. Like I have people on payroll. There's other ancillary costs we have to deal with. So it does take a lot of money to run this at scale. It's not, you know, you don't just get to sit with all that 150,000. Oh, that's all profit. About half of it would be profit. Right. Right. Okay. So we're at his house and I'm like, oh, it won't work right now. You spend another day. We party. You know, I smoke a lot of his pot. He shows me, he show. he's, you know, he's showing me like the cultivation process, giving me a little impromptu or, you know, like growing tutorial. <laughs> we're right. shooting guns. We're going on hikes. We're going into the town, going to dispensaries and fun stuff like that. Right. I go on. Right. I go. Did you go on? What, what about the other websites that you had accounts on? You said we didn't do that yet. That's in the future. Oh, okay. to this I was going to say you could have gone on one of those just to show them how it works. I did do that. I did do that to show him. But again, he's like, unless I see your thing with money coming in, it's all bullshit in his mind. He doesn't know. Right. He, doesn't, he didn't even know what Bitcoin was really at the time. He's like, I heard of it, but he he called it. He literally called it silly Internet money. <laughs> so right. that's that's yeah, he doesn't he thinks it's all bullshit. He doesn't think it's real. Right. OK. So that whole second day goes by. We're just it's like we're on a little vacation again, more tequila and cocaine at night. You know, we're, I like, I'm trying to make him laugh. You know, we're doing all the things. And he's like, my business partner went to sleep at this time. He was, he was spent, you know, he's 20 years older than me. So I don't blame him. <laughs> so I'm sitting with the guy and he's like, listen, try to show me that again. You know, like now it's you and me, we're alone. All the other people are asleep. His girlfriend was asleep. He's like, I want to sit with you. He's like, obviously you're, he's like, he's like, our friend isn't going to just bring you here for no reason. He's like, I think it's bullshit, but I also know better. Someone isn't going to be brought to me and, you know, for no reason. And I explained to him the DDoS and everything. And I'm like, I understand how it looks. Please keep an open mind. I also showed you the other service too, right? And I offered, I'm like, do you want to order th anything on there? And he said, no, I don't want to order any packages off there. I'm not doing anything until you show me your main stuff, you know? Because I was going to be like, well, if my stuff's not working, I could just show him, let's say, a magic mushroom vendor and like go buy an ounce of mushrooms just to see how this stuff works. Right. But he, he wasn't, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't, he's not going to do something like that. <laughs> he doesn't care. It's all in his mind. It's all bullshit still. And I don't blame him. That's how it looked. Right. Yeah. So after the third day, I go on Dread, you know, the forum we mentioned. Right. You may and, not be able to leave. <laughs> if you don't get this thing up and running, You may. I would be thinking, am I going to leave here at all? <laughs> uh, no, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. Not at all. So I, I go on Dread, right? And I, and I go on the Empire Market thread. And I see the admin... For Empire Market on Dread, not the main admin, the person controlling Empire Market, the forum admin. He said, death, death to Empire Market. I have lost server access. And I'm like, oh, fuck. That means he lost server access. He lost backend access. So, like, 
people that start darknet markets, they reach out to people to be their in, in, intermediaries and their voice, right? There, right. if you start a darknet market, you're insane if you're going on the forums yourself. Like that will exponentially increase the chances of you getting caught, right? So you reach out to people that act as your intermediaries and pay them a salary, right? So the person that was the main interme intermediary for the web, the premier darknet site, literally said. The ship is sinking. The ship is sinking. <laughs> We're screwed. And I'm like, oh, my God, we just lost all of the money we had. I already knew. I already knew it was gone. People were all speculating. I'm like, no, 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 this is gone. So immediately, I still have my vendor flare, and I'm a certified vendor on Dread, right? Empire Market's gone. But people, are, people still know who I am, right? You got to strike while the iron's still hot, so to speak. Right. So I go and I I go get a phone and I set up an encrypted chat service on that phone called Wicker. Wicker at the time was used to facilitate a lot of off-site deals. So, you know, a lot of vendors like me would get pissed off that these markets would play games with us. So we would try to route as much traffic to other intermediaries, usually intermediaries that we would directly control ourselves. And then we would just keep all of the money and not have to play any of their games and get screwed over, right? So I immediately set up a wicker. I, I go on to my uh, darknet, um, my, my um, darknet account on Dread, you know, the certified, this is the real Mad Hatter Pharma account. And I post my wicker. So I'm like, listen, um, the darknet, darknet markets, you know, Darknet markets are, are, are not the place to be right now because when there's one big exit scam, there's going to be a bunch of other websites that exit scam immediately after because they have massive influxes of traffic and they will see more money than they've ever seen in their entire lives. And a lot of the people just steal that money for a big payday instead of actually risking themselves to actually run the market over time to make the money, you know? Right. So I already know there's going to be tons and tons of exit scams. So I set up a wicker. I'm getting de uh, decent amounts of people. Like, you know, the first day I got like five, $6,000 in orders on the wicker, you know, just from people seeing. I'm not going to get as much exposure on, 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 a, on a darknet market as I would on a darknet market because, you know, there's just much less eyeballs. It's, you know, business needs to keep going. I just lost. We just lost $150,000 plus. So, <laughs> you know right. what I mean? So we're still at um, our friend's house for the period of about, I'd say, eight days. Right. We're just chilling. We're relaxing. And we're like, this. I hate to say this. Where does your mom think you are? <laughs> I wasn't living at my mom's house at the time. I, I've moved out since then. OK. OK. Where does anybody think you are? They don't No one. No one knew where I was at. No OK. One. I you don't really know where you're at. No, I don't. I didn't even really know where I was at. <laughs> so I'm perusing the forums and there's a market that a new market that comes out called Icarus Market. And I'm like, here we go. Time to start up again. Right. But I still have my business on the side with Wicker, the direct business, because now I understand you got to become a big vendor. The way to really play this game is to be a big vendor, eventually figure out a way to develop your own 
not necessarily your own market, but your own store that you control, right? Right. And also list on the markets as well, because you, you, ultimately you're you're still going to make more money on, on a market that has hundreds of thousands of eyeballs versus your own smaller market. Right. But you can right. funnel your funnel your your more solid customers to your own. Exactly. Um, right. And I would incentivize them like, listen, you're going to be paying me up front, but I'm going to drop the cost by like 30, 40 percent. So it's a win win. For both right. of us and you already have the trust with me i've never screwed you over so you know right so i set up an account on icarus market they literally just give me the account for free because once you're a large established vendor the, the um, darknet markets will just give you an account for free on empire market we had to pay like i think it was a thousand bucks to get started if you're just a joe schmo off the street you're like you know, you know, if you're just an average dude and you think, no, I want to start uh, being a dark web drug dealer, take a thousand dollars and go start it. You know, you never know. <laughs> but you're 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 bringing so much business. Exactly. It makes economic sense for them. That thousand dollars they're going to make back many, many times over. Right. Because these accounts also like you remember how I said there was a sticky on Empire Market that would move up my listings. Right. That that would cost like a thousand dollars to do that, and it was for twenty four hours. But that thousand dollars would bring me in twenty thousand dollars worth of business, so that's worth it every single time. And like you could purchase like banners on the website and stuff. They had they had ancillary means to monetize their website, and on top of that, they're taking one percent of all transactions as well. So, okay. yeah. So eventually, we're on Icarus. We're transacting business starts flowing in immediately by this time we already got home you know but before i left our friend sat me down and he's like listen he's like he's like the business you're in is a messy business but there's a different business that makes just as much money but it's much cleaner and that was the cocaine business <laughs> and he said that i could get the best cocaine at the best prices just let me know just let me know, right? And also, we still had enough money to purchase a good amount of our active ingredient that we need to drop the costs. So we didn't have to deal with local gangs anymore, right? Right. We were able to just have a dude just ship it to us, you know, from Texas. So win-win, you know? So we're on Icarus Market. Now we're back home. We're on Icarus Market. Things are going seemingly well. We're still making, it's not $100,000. It's like, you know, $50,000, $60,000 a week, right? Well, after about three weeks, Icarus Market exit scans as well. <laughs> and you're saying that's because, you think that's because all the traffic had moved over there and they, they just got blew up and they said, hey, we can take off with a bunch of money. Exactly. Think about this. You're a, you're a rogue programmer or a team of programmers and you're you make a secondary market to compete with the main market, right? It's a waiting game in that ecosystem, right? Like darknet markets have short shelf lives. You're you're never going to last more than like 2 or 3 years. You you just can't. You just can't. It's it's almost impossible. Is that I mean what because you think they get shut down? Is that what they get shut down because of the You have market? every law enforcement agency in the world and you have the most advanced units in those agencies after you you have every single hacker in the world trying to demand ransom from you trying to hack you you have other markets competing with you 
that will also who are also very technically advanced people that will try to mess up your website just to drive traffic to their website. So you're dealing it's you against the world, literally. Right. So it's only a matter of time until something goes wrong, right? And also, too, if you see $20 million in front of you, which the empire market people did in escrow accounts, they're like, we're just going to take this and run. Yeah. I think they took like 30 or $40 million in total, actually, that they got that was in the, the hot wallet of their uh, empire market account. I don't blame them. <laughs> to be honest, I, I don't do know you guys. Like, well, I don't know you that guys. was my money. <laughs> I am upset. I feel bad about that, <laughs> but I don't really know you. So, <laughs> you seem like a nice guy, but there's like 150, 200 thousand dollars here, and along with 20 other million, I, you know, and I'll, and in order for me to make a clean getaway, it's basically I just have to like pull the plug out of my computer and walk away. Like for 20 million, I'm willing to walk away. And that's literally what they did. And they to this day, they haven't been apprehended. They probably never will be. I mean, I gotta, I gotta tell you, I. I'm with them. I mean, I feel bad for you. Do you? <laughs> Do you really? <laughs> I was like with my wife. I'm like, like I'm. I I hear you. I I want I want to be on your side, but I'm just not. But you're. This is one of those times when you're just wrong. I mean, you're. I mean, I understand. If I was sitting in their seat and I see like twenty, thirty million dollars, I'm taking it. In a heartbeat. Yeah. I mean, and who am I screwing over? You're bad Random. people. Random you're, people. You're, you're bad people. What are you guys doing? I just figured this out. I, you guys are selling drugs on my forum. I, I can't have anything to do with this. I'm sorry, fellas. And I don't <laughs> feel right about giving you this money that's in my escrow account. It's all wrong. It's dirty money. <laughs> but I know what to do with it. Boop. <laughs> So, yeah. So it's uh, good times. Good times. Yeah. So uh, Icarus market goes bye-bye because they get the same idea. It's like, let's just steal, you know, like two, three million dollars real quick. So they did that. Right. So, again, I'm sitting in the same position. How long? And you said it's only like a, a few months later. It's, no, weeks. Oh, three weeks. Had you gotten back on your feet? Pretty much. Yeah, quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. remember, like, we still had our profit. You know, we still had our money as well. And I'm like, I'll invest everything if I have to, because I see how viable this really is. You know what I right. mean? So at this time, I'm perusing the uh, forums again, and an individual with the uh, the handle Eric Callahan reaches out to me. And this is a Eric. person that Eric Callahan, right? And he offers, he's like, hey, I could start to help you build your own um, shop. And I'm like, let's do it. I'm game. So I've sent him packages multiple times. And remember how I remember how you made the joke about post an ad on Craigslist and you can get some helpers with you. Well, right. there's actually an ecosystem on the dark net where you could you could get workers and you could pay them either in drugs or in, in cryptocurrency. Right. Eric Callahan was an opioid addict so i would ship him packages of pills as his payment hundreds thousands if not right and he would he would <laughs> he would he 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 helped wow. me uh, create uh, um my own 
means of transacting that was 100% mine. He set up server infrastructure and everything, right? This is, this is by the way, paying him in pills is, yes. is along the same lines as when I used to interview homeless people for their interview. No, what you did was way worse. They were not no. willing. <laughs> no. I mean, you're up there. Okay, uh, that's, that's that's not arguable. <laughs> I tricked them. They didn't even know what was happening. I they thought they thought I was doing them a favor. You're gonna give me twenty bucks? Thank you. I'm like I'm a good person. How so, much money would you put in their names for twenty dollars? I borrowed. I borrowed one point three million dollars in one of those guys' names. <laughs> Listen, I you're feel terrible. You're that. terrible. I feel horrible about that. I. <laughs> You live and you learn, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I have my own personal, uh, let's call it a, a tertiary means of transacting. It's still, it's making five, six, seven, you know, sometimes $10,000 a day, and that's direct money, so it's much better, right? But, you know, every day isn't that good. Honestly, on average, that store for me style probably was making $3,000 a day but that's still over a million dollars a year, you know, if you scale it and adjust it for like yearly, you know, business income, right? So that's not that's not that bad. But it's not, you know, $30,000 a day, which is what I want, you know? So we do that for about two and a half months, right? Because I, I need, I'm like, I need to wait for like the insanity to die down because there was there was other markets coming up and they were exit scamming people left and right. A market got seized by the police. Tons of people got arrested. It's it's insanity. It's like a it's like a fire. <laughs> it's like a forest fire. And I'm sitting in the middle of the forest in a pond like this is great. <laughs> Everything around me is going to hell and I have my little oasis, if you will. Right. So after after the dust of, of chaos settles. Right. I, uh, I'm on the, 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 the dread forum and I see there's a new market called white house market, right? It's not really a new market. It's been around for a while. It's, it's been around, around the time of empire market, but it was really a secondary market, right? I'm saying a new market in the sense of they completely revamped it. You know, it's much more technically adept, right? It's much better to transact on. It's much more secure, right? It uses a different cryptocurrency called Monero as opposed to Bitcoin. And Monero is what's known as a privacy coin. Basically, right. the basically, I just think these guys could be running scams on multiple levels. So they came out with their own crypto. No, 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 no. This isn't their own crypto. This is I know. This I'm is just saying crypto. that they could be running multiple different scams. <laughs> You're all, why are you always thinking like a scammer? Come on. I mean, they're, because keep in mind, they're asking, they're telling you, look, you can buy on our stuff, which people want to do, but you have to buy this crypto. <laughs> yes. They yeah, I, I understand. You. Yeah. Yeah. But you anyway, could easily, yeah. They could easily lead you down a, a path that would make it easy for you to be scammed. Obviously, I was scammed myself multiple times, right? So, okay, so think think of Bitcoin, right? Each Bitcoin, think of that as an individual ingot of gold. Okay. Right. You could you could you could cut up that piece of gold and send it as fractions, right? But at the end of the day, there's always a serial number on it and it's traceable, 
And ultimately, that led to my capture. But I, I can I, I can expound on that at the end of the story because it, it'll it'll make a lot more sense, right? So basically, since Bitcoin is is traceable because every Bitcoin goes on this thing called the blockchain. Think of the blockchain as an immutable ledger in which every transaction is publicly broadcasted, and there are um, mathematical proofs that are done in order to to literally prove that this is a real transaction in a mathematical cryptographic sense right right basically it's traceable if someone really yeah. wants to find you there is a giant company called cypher trace that's worth 10 billion dollars that the government employs literally to trace cryptocurrency and link it to criminals right okay so basically, the reason that White House Market wants to use this new coin called Monero is because Monero uses a different protocol, meaning a different means of transacting and a different means of dispersing the monies, if you will, dispersing the cryptocurrency. So it is not traceable. To this day, the government is offering, I think, like a $750,000 bounty to the, to the programmer that can figure out how to trace Monero transactions. But I don't really think they have a good grasp on it at all. They don't know. Okay. So obviously, remember, I'm still a certified vendor, right? So White House Market gives me a free account, right? I go on there for a little bit. Remember how I said I have my ancillary um, service? Right. At this point, I am completely fed up with dark net markets, right? I think they're out there just to screw me over because ultimately they're criminals as just as much as I am. They just are out there to make money. They're just doing it in a far more sophisticated way, right? So I start siphoning as many customers as possible into my own ancillary service. Now, the admin team on White House Market was much more with it than on Empire Market. So they found out <laughs> I was doing this. And they banned my account on their service, right? Okay. <laughs> so I'm sitting here. That's a terrible look to be banned. People automatically assume you're a scammer. But then I went to the forum and I explained, I am sick and tired of darknet markets screwing me over. I was just siphoning customers to my own service. I wasn't misleading any of my customers. I was still giving everybody the product they purchased. If anything, I was scamming the darknet market. That's why they got pissed and they banned me, right? Right. Well, at this around this time, there was another darknet market that was a competitor. So sometimes in the darknet market ecosystem, usually there's just one big market. But other times there's like two, maybe even three big viable markets that you can transact on. Right. At the time, there was three White House market, dark market and deep sea market. Deep sea market, it smelt fishy. <laughs> It was a scam right away. I, I could just tell the way it was set up. It was a scam. And guess what? Eventually, it exit scammed. So I didn't even bother going on there. Right? Okay. I set, immediately set up an account on Dark Market. They gave me, you know, a free account. I'm able to go on there. I have my own ancillary service. Eric Callahan at this time goes dark. He, the server shuts down on my ancillary service, right? I don't know what happened to him. That's so it? now he just, we'll get to that later. I, I'll, I'll tell you okay. what really happened to him, right? So 
I'm on dark market, right? We're doing our thing. We're transacting. You know, we're, we're not making nearly as much money as before. Because remember, I got banned. That's a bad look. And I was focusing on trying to develop my own service, right? My own market, my own special vendor um, account, my own my right. own vendor account. And again, ultimately, remember how I said you have to strike while the iron is hot, while there's a buzz around your name? It just wasn't the same around around me. You know, looking back at it, if I could if I could have done it again, I would have just started. I would have replicated the process under a new handle. I would have given stuff away again for free. You know, but it, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty with crime. Always, my thinking at the time was I have I have an established brand with a history of actually being you know good, and I don't want to you know have to build everything all over again. Right. Right. But what does it matter? Yeah, I mean, you're you like you said, you've been better off. You just didn't want to have to do that all over again. And yeah. your guy took off. So what did you, you you basically your both your streams of revenue just stopped? Yes, but that's why I had some. Remember how I said that my ancillary service was directly paying me. So yeah. I was able to have enough working capital to start up on dark market and be relatively competitive you know i was never the number one dude in any category ever i don't okay. want to be i was always number i think at my height i was like number four on empire market when i was crushing right right but number four is still a great place like you right. make millions and millions of dollars being number four number one makes like like 30 40 million dollars as number one in any given market Right. So let's say like a cocaine vendor, there is this dude named XX Snow White Express XX. Right. He in two weeks made like four million dollars. <laughs> so, yeah, that just to show you how much money like the really big serious vendors can make. I was right. big, but I wasn't like that. That That's absurd. They, there's some type of hyper organized like, you know, they've been doing this a while. They're obviously that's like super organized crime. Right. He built some of the nation's largest banks out of an estimated $55 million because $50 million wasn't enough and $60 million seemed excessive. He is the most interesting man in the world. I don't typically commit crimes, but when I do, it's bank fraud. Stay greedy, my friends. Support the channel. Join Matthew Cox's Patreon. So we went on dark market and we're transacting. It's not nearly at the level as it was before. You know, I spent far too much time off of the markets. You know, White House market was the premier, the number one, and they banned me. So they had a million, one and a half million people that used their service. Dark market had like 650,000 and that's all throughout the world. So in America, there was probably only 300,000 potential customers, probably only like 60, 70,000 of those would be willing to buy opiates. <laughs> so my market share has severely diminished. And at this time, there's a lot more competitors that have cropped up and they are brutal. So remember how you, you, uh, you said earlier about how like vendors would try to screw each other and play games and whatnot. Like I would have vendors like, and this was on every single market I was on. They would order, like I had a dude order like 10,000 pills one time. It was like a 
like a, it was like a $40,000 order. And he just kept delaying paying me. He kept delaying. And then he disputed the transaction, right? You're able to dispute the transactions on these websites. So he was trying to screw me over by holding up my money as long as possible. Well, you there's a so there's a dispute process and the intermediary the market is the ultimate arbiter on who wins that dispute process overwhelmingly they always side with the vendor because ultimately like the customers come and bring the money but the vendors have this have the stuff that gets them the money you know right if you, if you if you if you piss off your good vendors eventually like they're already vendors already hate going on the markets as it is if you if you screw me out of forty thousand dollars, I'm definitely leaving your site. Right? This was on Empire Market, by the way. The the dude lost the dispute because I'm like I shipped. I, here's the tracking number for the package. So he literally got the order. I don't know why he's complaining. And also too, like I have I had other bulk like bulk people who gave me right. It wasn't like this was a one time thing. You have a track record of sitting this stuff. Yes, of course. Hundreds, thousands of people at this time has bought have bought for me. Uh, right. A couple hundred of them are like like buying lots, like thousands of pills, hundreds of pills at a time. So I I already like obviously I could handle um, transactions as large as that. So why why do you have an issue? Whereas all these other people don't have issues. It's not no, the 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 marketplace knew that this person was scamming me. And I suspect, I can't prove it, obviously, anyone can just go on there and make a seller account. But I suspect that it was another vendor trying to screw me, right? Because what's 40 grand to them? If Because if, if, if they're thinking, they're thinking is if, if they, if we jam them up for a few days, that's potentially like $100,000 of traffic that we could direct to ourselves. Right. And it may end up, we're actually working and they may side with them. Yeah. So now they're going to have... Now they're going to have thousands of free pills that they right. can just turn around and just sell themselves. So, yeah. So we're on dark net market. We're on, we're transacting. It's going reasonably well. We're making about $10,000 a day. Again, remember that doesn't always clear at once. So the actual monetary value that clears every day is probably about $2,000. Well, one day dark net market gets seized by the German authorities. So they actually apprehend the individual. That's that's not good. That is very not good. Not, Luckily, not I didn't purchase an account. They just gave me an account. But here's the thing. The FBI now has access to all the back end data and they're just sitting there like, OK, time to just capture a bunch of people. So they launched they launched Operation Hunter. Ha ha. Get it? Hunter. Yeah, <laughs> they're very, they're very clever. clever. Guess name. who was part of uh guess who was one of the people of interest with Operation Hunter? What was it you? Maybe, <laughs> possibly, who knows? <laughs> so I go about my day, you know, I go about my normal business. I'm like, you know what? I'm fed up with this stuff. I have a little, you know, I had a small chunk of change, and I just, you know, went away and did my thing. You know, my my business partner and I, we, you know. He's like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go move and start a construction company. And I'm like, that's good. You know, I'm going to go live my normal life. I went, eventually I moved back home. I was estranged from my family throughout this entire process. I made up, moved back home. I was living my normal life until one day there's a strange piece of mail that comes from FedEx 
and I and I have to sign for it. So I rejected it like six times until, you know, and the FedEx truck kept coming, kept coming. And it was a packet, like a manila packet, right? So I'm like, what the hell is this, right? Remember how I said that my mother uh, divorced my stepfather? I was thinking it was some like, you know, like, you know, like, like, uh, like, an, like um, something I had to sign for, for like some like small court proceeding here for child right. support or something. But then again, I'm like, why would I have to sign for that? I'm not involved in that. So I, I open it up and so you did sign for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But Eventually. when I open it up, it's a letter from an FBI agent saying is it, is I was a, tapping a target target letter. Yes, a target letter from one of the phones I had. I had like seven phones at the time, but you know, they were tapping one of them at the time, right? And they and the dude put in his card and said, Call me if you want. And I was like, Yeah, I went and burned it. <laughs> I burned everything. I'm like, I am not calling you. I'm just gonna pretend this never happened. Right? What, the, <laughs> what did the letter say? Just the that letter, you're, you're letting you know you're a target of the investigation as a result yes. of this. A target letter, and it said that like it, it presented the uh, the warrant for like the phone number at the time, and it was like this T-Mobile device. Like we were, we were like pursuant to this law, this law, and this law. We were looking at this phone number, you know. So at the time, previously up until that letter, I thought I got away scot free. You know, right. every criminal thinks they're getting away scot free. When you're in the act of doing crime, no one really ever considers, oh, I'm, I could get caught. You think that's always other people. Other people get caught. I don't get caught. Every criminal really thinks that way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So I I literally, I'm like, I'm about to shit my pants. Like, these are the, the feds. I'm like, do I call the number? Do I not? I decided against it because I'm like this, like, this dude is literally trained to get me to say things in which he can arrest me. If he's sending me a letter right now, clearly he doesn't have enough to just come blowing my door and get me. And also, why would he send me a letter after I'm done with everything? Why wouldn't he come get me while I'm in the middle of doing everything? Well, because they're, they're still, I mean, I, I understand you don't know why, but at the time you didn't know why, but yeah. Like they don't have enough to arrest you. They're, they're exactly. Just, and they're hoping you'll come forward and provide them. And like, had you gone there and provided them for information up front, you could have entered into a, a pretrial or a, um, uh, uh, shoot, I forget what they call it. Um, it's pretrial intervention, pretrial intervention. Yeah. Um, and you could have maybe avoided being indicted at all. Well, it turns out 10 other people did that to me. Well, then you couldn't do that. Now exactly. I couldn't. You should have picked up. You should have signed for that first letter. No. By the time you signed, it's too late. Exactly. Exactly. I, but I didn't, again, up to this point, I was ignorant of how all of this worked. Now I've well, had a crash course in that. But when those people, they signed, so they got their letter, they called, they went in, they cooperated. Again, I don't, but what about the street code? That doesn't really what? exist. No. <laughs> no. What is it? No. Like 98% of people in federal cases like cooperate? No, I listen, I saw Law and Order one time. I oh, saw Law and okay. Order and I watched the first three Godfathers and they were very adamant. Okay. Nobody well, I mean, if, if you're caught with like three ounces of weed and you're facing a ticket, yeah, you're not going to snitch. But if yeah. you're looking at like 15 or 20 years, then... 
I'm going to be curious if you're going to, you know, be reciting the same mantra of I'm tough yeah. and I'm not going to snitch. 99, literally 98% of people cooperate in the federal system, yeah. literally. So, <laughs> and you know, what's funny is, is that people say a lot of people, because the, the number of people that get a benefit from the cooperation is lower. It's like 85. That doesn't mean that 99% didn't try. Of course. But not everybody gets something. Sometimes you go in, you tell them everything and they go, we know that. Like your, your co-defendant Jimmy and Todd and Bill already told us that. So what do you have this extra? And you're like, well, I don't have anything extra. And they're like, no, yeah, <laughs> you don't get anything then. And you're like, well, I cooperated. And they're like, yeah, did you? You're going to go to, you just, now you better just plead guilty and go to prison. You're not going to get anything. You should have come in sooner. So exactly. yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, being first is being for first, second or third really is the best. Cause after that, it's like, yeah, we don't really need you. So, yeah. So there's 12 people lined up, ready to talk, telling on you. Yeah. There was like, like when I was going through my affidavit and like the paperwork with my lawyer, he was like, there are the, there's like nine people listed as unindicted co-conspirators. And I'm like, what is that? He's like, well, picture this scenario. You're a low level, like, you know, like drug addict, you know, going about your daily business. And all of a sudden, five agents in suits show up to your house. And it's like, hey, you're going to talk with us and sign every paper we have. And we're not going to charge you and arrest you. Or you could be tough. And then we're going to drag you away and, you know, it, add you as an element to a conspiracy. What do you want to do? Right. So obviously, <laughs> you know, you already know how that goes. Yeah. But by the time you figure this out, it's too late. So, oh, yeah. And also, too, you know, you read my PSR. You probably saw I also have a four-level modifier for being the uh, the uh, organizer. Leader, role, leader organizer. Role. Yeah. But you were barely involved. You were just the... Just, <laughs> I was... I didn't even see the drugs. I was way over there. <laughs> you can tell the judge that when you get in there. Your Honor... There's been a huge miscarriage of justice here. Yeah. I was just a computer guy. Yes. That's not going to go over well, by the way. So this was about January. Or no, this was early February of 2021 when I got the letter, right? Okay. So I went, I'm back home. I went and I got a normal job. I worked at a factory for about a year, right? But then, you know, after a while, I'm like, I don't, I'm like, I should just move states. So I saved up money from that job and then I moved to another state, right? Yeah. You, you did, you, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much you know about law enforcement, but the, the FBI is, it's, it's national. I, yeah, I understand that. But I'm thinking if I remove myself from the locality, it's still going to be, harder for them this is this is an idiot thinking like you, the fbi still, can go anywhere and get and you. i hear i hear you but it's still national i understand that they'll make the drive <laughs> they have vehicles they they have their own vehicles nice i vehicles. know that but if you're the person that actually gets the letter you're going to be thinking of crazy things like that like oh if i go move halfway across the country maybe this will all just go away magically <laughs> Turns yeah, out, know. no, it doesn't. How so many states I'm, over? Huh? How many states away did you move? I, I, I live on the East Coast. I was living on the West Coast. Oh, you couldn't have gone any further? No, no. You'd have been in the so water? I, you could have gone to, well, Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. 
pretty sure they have a field office there, though. They have field offices everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so after a, after a, um a couple months of me living out, you know, in this in this place, February eleventh, twenty twenty two. That's when my arrest warrant was issued. I didn't know that. I was literally in a whole other state. Now, remember how you just, you know, you made the joke about how they could drive and everything. They went to my old address, not my mom's house, but the old address I was living at, at Connecticut, the place I was at on the computer, right? Okay. They went to that old address. So I was somewhat right. So I was literally sitting on the West Coast. I had no idea for months because, again, I went off the grid completely. I wasn't talking to anybody for a couple months of time. I roughly explained my situation to all the loved ones in my life. And I'm like, I need to go spend like a year or two in somewhere else and just, you know, I'd still talk on the phone and stuff like that. But very minimal, like minimal footprint. Just be a normal dude living a normal life. You need to reset. You need to reset. Reese, <laughs> exactly. After a while, though, it become um, it's brought to my attention that hey, the F. My mom was like, hey, the FBI just showed up to our house, and there was like thirty dudes with machine guns, and then other like ten other dudes in suits, and they were asking for you. And I'm like, did what? you tell mom what did you do? <laughs> well, unfortunately, they asked for me by name, so I couldn't, I couldn't, oh. you know, make that joke. So I love the one guy I, I interviewed, like, like the Fed showed up at his house and they were like, do you know why we're here? Yeah, I do. My girlfriend's running an illegal operation. No, I'm just joking. But my girlfriend's selling drugs. Thank God you're here. You could have done the whole, I know exactly why you're here. My mother is selling counterfeit pills on the internet. It's crazy. It's crazy. Thank God you're here. I had to move across the country to get away from her. <laughs> you make me I feel so terrible too just explaining this. I feel I'm a terrible son, my God. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. So eventually it's brought to my attention and I retain a lawyer for fifty thousand dollars. So I'm like, okay. okay. I'm on That's the phone with him and like he's like, Yeah. He's like, let me contact the uh, district attorney in your case. You know, that my case is out of Washington, DC. So I'm like, are you serious? It's out of the capital, and they're like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah." Washington State? No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. So my lawyer is like, "You're gonna need to." He's like, "Listen," he's like, "You could turn yourself in in a field office, but you're gonna be introduced to a phenomenon called diesel therapy." And I'm like, "What? What? What is that?" He's like, "Oh." Where it would take you, you know, six days on a bus to get here from where you're at. But if you turn yourself in in your locality, it'll take like six months to get here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to hit each prison, each county jail. You know, you're going to sit there. They're going to book you. And then right after they book you, they're going to throw you on a bus or a plane. And they're going to bring you to the next place. And it's going to be a long, inefficient process. And book you again. Yes. And. Yeah. Every place you go, you get booked and it's miserable, miserable. So that's why he's like, don't drive your car. Take the bus, (laughs) take the Greyhound bus, get over here, you know, and then I, I will pick you up in my car and we will go directly to the court, the federal courthouse, and you will surrender directly to the marshals because the marshals have field offices in every federal courthouse. You will surrender right there and you will be arraigned 
that day and you could have a bond hearing within I was an idiot and turned myself in on a Friday. So I had to spend a couple of days in jail before my bond hearing. Right. Right. Yeah. He didn't tell you that. That's an issue. No, he did tell me that, but I'm like, I just, I, I need to leave. Let me get the bus ticket. I don't care. A couple of days in jail. Oh, well, you know, it doesn't matter. Acclimate, just acclimate you to the environment. You want to get a little in there. You kind of know. <laughs> I get it. I hear you. Baby steps. Baby steps. Precisely. Precisely. Right. So I go to the courthouse and uh, immediately my lawyer goes over to the to the field office room and then like seven marshals come out and I'm sitting on a bench and they're like, stand up, hands on the wall, spread your legs. We need to search you. They searched me. They cuffed me. They brought me into the back holding area. They swabbed my mouth. They took my my picture. They took my fingerprints. They uh, cataloged my scars. They asked me if I had tattoos or anything like that. I said, no. Um, and then they tried like asking me a bunch of strange questions. And then I'm like, I have an attorney. And then they, then they just left the room after I said that. And I'm like, oh, I see what you guys were trying to do. I, I yeah. see what was happening. Right. Yeah. They bolt. The moment you say attorney, they bolt. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. When they asked me, uh, are you, are, you know, who do you run with? So who are I run with? They said, who you run with? Are, are you with a gang? And I said, I, I, I'm, I'm with the, the Florida, <laughs> the Florida, uh, Florida or mortgage brokers association. <laughs> I'm a mortgage broker. <laughs> the most like, violent criminal organization in all of Florida. <laughs> where they, yeah, they, yeah. So they said, uh, you're not dangerous. I said, ask bank of America. Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay, so, yeah. so what happened? They uh they brought me to a holding cell. I'm sitting there. There's a, a little white guy who's like, you know, you've been to prison. You understand. There's like the normal humans, and then there's the insane people. Mm-hmm. This is the first time I met someone who was like legitimately like medically, clinically insane, right? This dude is sitting there screaming, they're stealing my face. <laughs> they're taking my documents. And they're going to clone me. And I'm just looking at him like, what, bro, what are you talking about? Like, get me out of here. And then about 30 minutes later, after I'm sitting in the cell with this insane dude, right? It's D.C., right? So, like, everybody gets federally charged, even with misdemeanors, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 So, like, all of, like, the norm- normal criminals, if you will, were being brought there as well. So they brought in this dude that really didn't speak English, right? He was a Colombian national. I speak Spanish. So I get to strike up a conversation with him. And I'm like, why are you here? I'm like, you told them immigration, but you're Colombian. I know that's bullshit. And he's like, okay. In reality, I got caught piloting an airplane. And I'm like, like illegally, like in U.S. airspace. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, that's not that bad. You know what I mean? He's like, well, they found 20,000 kilos of cocaine in the airplane. I'm like, oh. And then I realized the gravity of the situation I'm in. I'm like, if I'm in a cell with this dude awaiting an arraignment, <laughs> I got myself into some serious, serious trouble. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure you have that one defining moment as well when you first got apprehended, when you realize the gravity of the situation you're in. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's, a, it's an issue. And I didn't get to turn myself in, so... 
Yeah. Really? Oh, they just they just oh, arrested no, they just you. Arrested me. Just fucking pulled up on me. Pulled the guns out. Get on the ground. Get on the ground. Get on the ground. I'm like, ah. Was it like the FBI or the Secret Service? It was the Secret Service. Okay. Which were actually extremely, you know, like in retrospect, in comparison to the FBI, they were extremely um, professional. Uh, most of the FBI agents, with the exception of maybe one FBI agent, have been almost like thugs. All the Secret Service agents were polite, professional. You know, they, it's like they were just, I, I always like the guys, and you'll realize it's like the guards that you meet. You always like the guards that are basically there to just check in and check out. Like, I'm just here to do my job. Like, I'm not taking it personally. You have to do this. Don't do that. Like, you know, they, they don't, they're not upset about it. They're not, they're not taking a personal interest. And same thing with the police. You have some cops that are just like, hey, look, I got to handcuff you. Here's what we're doing. Here's how this works. And then you have the ones that just hate your guts. Mm-hmm. And it's like they they think it's their job to make you miserable and talk down to you and be a jerk to you. It's like, like you don't have the you don't have the attitude for this job. Like you you're you're a, a horribly aggressive, angry person. Well, unfortunately, you're locked in a cage, and those are the people right. that are bringing you your food. So right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you, listen, I'll tell you right now. When you actually get to prison, you will like prison one hundred percent more than you like being locked up i think in your case you'll probably be able to either self-surrender or they will take you at sentencing i will be able to self-surrender i know that for a fact well that's that's going to be that's way better because you don't have to go through the u.s marshals holdover which you could be sitting there for a few months and that's basically county jail and county jail sucks when you go to prison you almost have you almost have almost no once you get into where your housing unit is you almost have no contact with with the police like you'll get a job, you'll get a little routine. Before you know it, you'll be like, "This is like, this is like a, this is like a summer camp." I mean, it's a shitty summer camp, but it's like a summer camp mm-hmm. with guys that might stab you. But but if you, as long as you're polite to everybody, it's not a big deal. As long as you don't run up a bunch of debts and start talking shit about people, you'll be <laughs> fine. And they'll love you because you've got a great story and you're a good storyteller. But I digress. Go ahead. What were you saying? So you turned yourself in. When you got in front of the judge, what happened? I wasn't able to appear in front of So you know how they bring you in front of federal magistrates first for a bond hearing? The federal magistrate was like, I have no jurisdiction in this. You have to go in front of a circuit judge. So they, 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 they held me for the weekend. I got my little dose of like prison life for the first time ever. I was in the shoe for like, I'd say a day until they, they brought me to gen pop. And the facility I was at was 100% indoors. So I go into the pod, if you will, and I look around and it's like, there's like 200 dudes just all in a small, relatively small room, I'd say the size of probably like a high school gymnasium. And I'm like, okay, this shit's real now. (laughs) Now, luckily, all the dudes in there were, they were completely respectful. You know, no fights or anything like that happened. The worst thing that happened was like people screaming at each other and stuff, but you know, all the guards there too, they were sheriffs. So they weren't like private prison guards. So they all had, they were incredibly respectful at that facility. The guards had the utmost respect for you if you were respectful to them. All the other inmates, it was a mix of federal hold inmates and Virginia, like just normal, you know, like people that had small, like under a year sentences or people that just got off a long stretch 
and they're brought to there for like the last year or so of their sentence. Right. Right. So I met a couple dudes. I met a bunch of, uh, of, of people that were in a federal Rico murder gang case, and they were called the uh, Reckless Tiger Gang. They were a group of, they were an Asian gang, right? And I met this dude, and I'm talking to him, and he's super nice. I mean, he has a bunch of tattoos and everything. I don't really judge that. Well, find out later, I find out later that he, he just straight up just, like, executed somebody. <laughs> So I'm like, I was talking to a literal murderer and he was perfectly cordial and nice. <laughs> yeah. So the nicest people are guys that have murdered somebody. My cellmate was a Turkish national who got indicted for espionage because he, uh, he dealt in defense and he, somehow drone technology that he attained ended up in the hands of Iranians. And he's like, I went to on vacation to Spain and then Interpol just came to my hotel and took me away. And I'm like, well, what do you think was going to happen? You can't go to any place that would extradite you. <laughs> you know, there was a, you know, there was hackers, there was like Russian mobsters, and then there was gang members and everything. It was my first like, I'm like, okay, this is prison is like, it, it, it's just, you, you'll take a person like me. I, I did a mid-level crime. Well, you know, people would say it's big, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big. Right. But you send small. someone like me. It's not small. True. But there's people that make billions of dollars. You know what I mean? There's a few, but mostly that's it. Mostly you're going to meet guys that brought a gun to a $10 crack sale and, 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 and ended up getting 10 or 15 years. And you're going to be That's surrounded crazy. by, uh, you're going to be around surrounded by guys that you're like, so this guy stole, you know, $500 million and he got, you know, eight years. <laughs> and this guy has been arrested three times and happened to bring a gun to a crack deal for, less than a hundred dollars and got 20 years. Wow. That's insane. And then, yeah. And you, you, you like the, the disparity between the sentences are so outrageous. And then you'll be like, this guy looked at some little kids on the internet and he gets two he, years. Yeah. He got three years. This guy, you know, it, it, like you just, there's just no, but you'll meet some guys there that you're like, this guy's a complete lunatic and he's insane and he should never be let out and he's getting out next year. And then you got this guy who's the nicest, help, most helpful person ever, and he's got 30 more years to go. Yeah, you, you'll meet some great guys, and you're going to get in good with a group of guys that you like, and you hang out when you'll get a routine, and, bro, that, that time's going to blow by. Mm -hmm. it, it, it'll, it'll be cool, but it, it'll, it'll be good. I mean, it won't be, it won't be great. <laughs> but once your, your expectations are lowered, which sounds horrible, you'll be you'll be like oh i'm i'm okay here like there will be a day you'll just wake up after you know whatever it could be six months could be a year and a half and you're gonna be like yeah i'm all right this is gonna be all right it's not a this isn't horrible like it's that first but it's, it's until that point when you're like this sucks mm. um so what happened so sorry go ahead the, the point i was trying to make is you take someone like me who messed up right but then you're gonna put me around you're sending all of the people who have gotten, who did all these things and you're putting them together and you think they're not going to be sitting there networking, networking, excuse me, scheming, learning new things.
Oh yeah, some great <laughs> conversations. <laughs> like you'll you're gonna you're, you'll get around a group of guys, and once you guys start talking, you'll be like, oh my god. Well, wait a second. Here's what I did, and then that guy will be like, did you ever think about doing this? You're like, oh my god. So you can get fake IDs. Yeah, I can get fake. Oh my, if I could have done that, I could have, you know, they're like, Hey, what about, can you open up bank accounts? Yeah, bro. I opened up 15 bank accounts. I, and you're like, Oh, you, your mind will get go nuts. And then you kind of have to talk yourself down. <laughs> we laying in bed thinking, and then I think, whoa, 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 whoa. So down. I have to, I have to throw a surprise into this story, right? Okay. Remember how I said there was the worker, Eric Callahan. Yes. He was an undercover federal agent the entire time. Are you serious? 100% serious. But he just, and he, this is a guy that helped you set up your thing. Mm -hmm. So he helped you set it up. So were they watching you the whole time? Think about it. Uh, the way I structured my story, like there were some glaringly obvious things that if someone really thought about, it, it's like, wait a second, you're telling me a random opioid addict is going to have the capability to set up server infrastructure? really right. and then he's only going to accept payment he might listen i knew a, I, I one of the smartest guys i knew who's a was a professional hacker and can build you websites and computers and do all kinds of he's a programmer everything that guy was a heroin addict he's a, like a, he was like a 19 year old heroin addict so that's very so i don't think that's so crazy that's possible you're you're right you're right but in my experience right like meeting technically like people who have those technical skills they they tend to not be they he, right. he, he's unique in that okay. regard he really is okay. well plus and his ability to follow through like most greatly diminished addicts. because exactly and that's what i'm saying this dude was getting hot you, you know, like every drug dealer is going to have their funny story. This dude must have had 60 root canals when he was met. He's like, oh, I just had a root canal. Send me some extra pills. And I'm like, okay, whatever, man. You're helping me do all this stuff. I'll send you extra stuff all the time. It turns out that was being sent to an undercover FBI agent. And then they were taking those pills and sending them to the DEA analysis lab. And they were just sitting there tacking on the charges, tacking on the charges. You didn't have a root canal? No. No, are, they, are you telling me? I'm not going to sit here and listen to you tell me that an FBI agent lied to you. <laughs> You're telling me that the that a CI lied? That's unheard of. <laughs> typically so honest. So, all right. So what happened? So your your lawyer, you so you got out on bond, right? So okay. So I finally the reason I'm bringing this up now, right? I have my little three days in jail. On Monday, they put me in the van and they drive me to the courthouse, which is like 15 minutes away from the holding facility, right? And I remember the, the Asian individual I told you about, that's the gang member. He yes. is with me because right? he's from my pod. So he also had the court date on the same day, right? So we all went there. He was going for sentencing though, right? Turns out he got a life sentence. It's terrible. It's so terrible being near someone and seeing them, even though he killed somebody though. But it's like the humanity of it looking at this 20 this dude who's one year older than me it's like you're gonna spend the rest of your life in jail it's just it's sad man and i um a brief a brief point before i explain everything else when we're driving back he literally looked at everybody in the van he's like crime isn't cool man and just sunk his head and i was like that's terrible that you realize that now you know so so back to like when I'm, I'm having my bond hearing, they bring me in front of an actual federal judge, like a circuit judge. 
and right. the U.S. Right. District Attorney is there, and this is the first time I see face to face the FBI agent in my case. <clears throat> he was the CI. I'm not going to name his name, of course. I don't know if that could blow back on me, but uh, he's sitting there explaining, reading the ad. This is the first time I got to see the affidavit in my case, too. And I'm like, oh, my God, Eric Callahan was an undercover this entire time. I thought, he, you I, was, said, I, I thought Eric was going to walk in and be like, hey, what's up, Colby? <laughs> hands you your indictment you're like well he did he did he, i never i never shared my name with him but essentially eric callahan did say come in and say what's up colby because he was he, the undercover ci oh. <laughs> so essentially he did do that <laughs> was that shocking um looking back at it i'm like that just makes so much sense i mean of course like it is shocking, but like in again, hindsight is always twenty twenty with crime. Sitting there thinking back, I'm like, of course he was a CI with the questions he was asking, and every single day, right? I had him. Remember how I said I had Eric Callahan set up my own proprietary means of transacting? Yeah, he just also happened to work at a print shop while he was doing this and was able to print up flyers for me to send them out to my, I had him, I was going to have him mail me the flyers and I could include them in all of my orders on white house market. Instead of using the, uh, the internet to say, Hey, this is my store. I was just going to be like, I was literally going to stick a flyer in their package and like, look at my store. And I mean, this code, this guy code, to know. huh? Eric's a good guy to know he's connected. <laughs> He's just being, you know, he's just being a good business partner. I never had him send me those, by the way, because I've no. even thought about him like that's terrible operational security. I can't ever give him an address to send me anything. And then he was like, well, you could send me pills and I could then, you know, ship everything out. And then I'm like, no, 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 no. You're an opioid addict. I'm never sending you stuff. You can't handle my business. You know what I mean? You could handle like the online, some online aspects, but literally dealing with like products. No. You can't do that. I wouldn't trust someone to do that. And I already had that down, like that network established myself, right? Now, looking back, he was trying to, if he, if you know that he was just trying to tack on as many charges right. as possible. Yeah. Right? They're trying to run the numbers up. Right. So um, the, you, do you know the literal argument for the, that, that the U.S. attorney used to keep me out in jail? The U.S. attorney said that I was a danger to my community and my family because I smoke marijuana daily. I, okay. I think it, I don't see that. That's silly, but okay. The judge literally just stared at the U.S. attorney like, excuse me. And, right. and the person reiterated their point and he literally looked over at my lawyer and I, and he's like, you guys have not demonstrated sufficient evidence that Mr. Cop actively attempted to elude arrest he he literally came in and turned himself in with his attorney right you guys just went to the wrong address you could have had him literally they literally did and also i was living at my my, my i was living back at my my home you know that i grew up in for over a year so how right. do you not know where i was at right so all right so i mean so how has this progressed so far what like i mean they let you out they let me out i'm on bond we were, I, I, I pleaded not guilty during my, um, 
my arraignment, not my arraignment, you know, the thing right after arraignment, when they like give you like, this is the judge in your case and you're like, what is it? Initial appearance or? Yeah. 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 First appearance. First appearance. Yeah. I, I entered a not guilty plea because I have one of the best lawyers in the area. So I'm like, he's like, we, we could, he's like, he's represented dark net cases before and has won. So he's like, I think they have some holes in their case. Well, remember how I said that the U S marshals took my fingerprints and everything, right? The one package I ever touched myself happened to be sent to an FBI undercover. And they had my fingerprint on the USPS mail envelope. Listen, you have a lot of a lot of FBI guys buying drugs from you. <laughs> well, mean, it's a public forum. Anybody I could mean, go on there and purchase these things. Right. So of course, that's that's how they catch these people. And also, too, remember how I said, like the remember how I alluded to earlier that the, the cryptocurrency is eventually what got them onto me. Right. So remember how I made the analogy with that Bitcoin is like a piece of gold with a serial number, right? It's traceable, right? right? There are services on the darknet that you could go to where you exchange that piece of gold, that Bitcoin, if you will, or the fraction of, you know, of the of the gold bar, the fraction of the Bitcoin. You exchange it for many other pieces of gold for a small fee, right? Yeah. Well, it turns out the FBI also had control of that service, too, and they were catching a lot of people trying to wash their money. I feel like the FBI is not playing fair. Like, you know, it's, it's, a, it's that's not right. It's, I mean, it's an open, I mean, yeah, they've caught so many people like that before. So many people. I mean, yeah. It's almost, yeah. Well, no, yeah, that's I what they do. Because I should have went to multiple different services to do that. I went to one service thinking I was okay. And then I could take the crypto and do whatever I want with it. Because on paper, it's just, you know. Have you considered selling stuff on Etsy, like maybe stuff that's not um, banned by the federal government? So actually, I would like to start um, an Amazon store when I eventually get through my situation, because like my reasoning is if I could. If you can make money on the dark web, I think that's more competitive and harder, actually, to make money on the clear web, the clear web being the normal website, that the normal web that we're on right now with normal websites right. like Google, Amazon, you know. If I could, if I know how to source products. I know how to facilitate, like build infrastructure. I know how to navigate and learn about the ecosystems that could facilitate e-commerce. So right. that's what I want to do ultimately. That's my goal is I want to have Amazon businesses after, after I deal with my situation. That's the goal I would like to work towards. What are you going to sell? Um, I need to figure out how to know what to sell. I don't know yet. Right. So once I learn how to do that, then I can remember how I said I know I've learned Mandarin and everything. Right. Well, I have already developed a relationship with some Chinese manufacturers of, let's say, like kitchen, some like minor kitchen appliances or like, let's say, like, you know, like phone chargers and stuff like that. I'm trying to develop the rapport and to be able to purchase stuff from them, get it over here and use Amazon to, to facilitate that transaction. But the difference is, is the feds won't blow in my door if I'm selling phone chargers. <laughs> true. That's true. Um, 
Yeah, listen, you know, I, I wrote a book for a guy named Deveroli. He was selling, I mean, he was selling all kinds. Well, he was selling guns, that, but that's what got him in trouble. But, well, actually munitions. But he also started just selling accessories to weapons. Mm. You know, just just accessories. It's doing the same thing. He's selling, he was buying them from China. He'd get them, you know, they're making them for a dollar seventy-five, and he's selling them for, you know, $22 a piece. And it was, you know, it's amazing. And, and, and still undercutting um, Yeah the uh the competition and he was dro doing just drop shipping and everything and it was all just through um through the internet um through different services so when are you going to be sentenced i mean by the time this comes out you'll have been sentenced yeah um i don't know exactly they moved up my date and i'm awaiting it's kind of in the air right now i'm awaiting moved it up or back up like, oh. I don't know, like they canceled, they canceled like my previous sentencing date and they're going to, they have to, they have to work out their schedule to see, it might be a couple months in the future, you know, and I, you know, I don't know currently as of right now, but it won't be that much longer. Right. Okay. Um, mm, mm, mm. Good times. Good times. Uh, yeah. You got time to write a book. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can make it sexy. <laughs> you know? It doesn't have to be super huge. Were you dating anybody during this time? Yeah, I had I had various girlfriends, sometimes multiple girlfriends at a time, honestly. I mean, then were you, did you travel? No, no, no. It was a lot of work doing this because, again, I, I solely handled the internet portion of it basically by myself like i would work 12 hour days nonstop, seven days a week yeah well you're selling a product like fraud's not a full-time job like I, I i had a lot of downtime on my time so i traveled a little bit um uh let me think yeah okay that could be a good book do you have a nice car did i have a nice car yeah <laughs> yeah you driving like a toyota camera what are we driving like are we driving multiple vehicles some of them were unregistered some of them were registered none of them were in my name um yeah you could you could write a good book you write a good book that have to be super long my book was pretty long because you know well it's, it's like 330 pages i think which that's that it's really that's not even a long book no but, it's mid um, yeah but you know but uh but yeah, you know, all the intricacies that you've done and the close calls and the, you know, and you get to write the backstory. You could, or you could ask, did you get, you got your discovery, right? Uh, yes, I believe so. I have to talk to my lawyer about all that. Yeah. If you get your discovery now, like ask your lawyer for your discovery and then have it sent. Ah, damn it. Hold on. Decline. There it is. Hold on. Somebody called. Um, if you get your discovery and give it to your like your mom, then when you get to where you're going, 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 where you're going to be a while, like that, you're probably going to go to a low, then have her send it to you. Then you can write a story about not just what happened with you, but what was happening on the other end, because you'll have all the documents from the FBI and they'll explain like, you know, at this point, they heard about you at this point, you know, and they'll, they'll have the dates and the names. And so to be, they knew about me pretty damn quickly. Like they were watching me for years. Well, then that's great. Then that that ends up being cool because now it's kind of a cat and mouse game. Why did they I, not? I don't think it? it's cool. Other people may think it's cool. I think it's terrible. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, work with what you got. True. So, uh, 
<clears throat> at this point, you know, you gotta, you gotta work with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You have some downtime, learn to play the guitar. <laughs> I like chess. You're, you're just tons of guys. Listen, they play chess in prison. Like you've never played chess like this. Like, like the, 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 you know, the, you know, chess to me is a game of kings. It's a sophisticated game. It's a it's a game of 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 you know rules and and um it, you know it's it's a game played by the upper echelon of society. That's not how it's played in prison. <laughs> in prison, these dudes they move the you know boom oh yeah I got your bitch bro I got your bitch <laughs> and then uh oh oh yeah what you gonna do now I'm in your house I'm in your house what you gonna do you ain't gonna do shit that's right oh I mean you're like like <laughs> it's 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 I, I mean I don't know how you take that game and make it aggressive but everything is, is I assume aggressive in jail though everything it's it's not to be listen you'll get a group of guys like you know what it's like like it's like being a non-enemy combatant, right? Like, like you know, in a war zone. So you're 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 just like a guy that lives in this town where these guys are shooting each other. <laughs> you just so you I hope live in you don't Ukraine. get shot. Yeah, huh? I live in Ukraine. I live in Ukraine. <laughs> exactly. And you're just trying to go to your job and make bread. I'm just trying to go to my to the bakery and make some bread today. These guys yeah. are shooting. I had to stand over here while they shot and. Oh, they blew that up. I got to go home. I can't make it there today. I'll make it. I'll go tomorrow. And then you go tomorrow and you go, you have a good day. You go, you work three days in a row and you're good. And then one day you're walking home from work and two guys are shooting each other only in prison. They're just stabbing each other or getting into a fight and you walk by and you go, and you'll, you will become kind of desensitized. I remember one time I was, I just gotten to the low. I was the medium and I had just gotten to the low, maybe I'd been there two, three weeks. This guy named this guy's name is Kiki. You're going to meet about 50 guys. Mate, well, you're, you got 10 years. You got, you'll take, did you take, are, are you taking the drug program? Yeah. I qualify for RDAP because of cocaine use. Right. So uh, you'll get the, if the drug, the, hopefully, you know, get the judge to recommend it. You'll get a year off for that. You'll get good time. Do they ever you know, give you halfway house or they, is that just bullshit? No, you'll get halfway house. You'll probably get six months to a year halfway house. You know, you're literally, you're whittling, like you'll end up doing whatever, six years. So, so let's say you do the six years. Um, you're going to, in that time period, you're going to meet about, about 50, 60 guys named Kiki. So uh, you're going to meet some pookies. Um, but anyway, what happened one time I was, I had just walked in my cell and this guy, this big black guy named Kiki was kind of walking down the hallway Right and walked right in front of my cell and and dropped dead of a heart attack. Boom! My God! And I mean, was he? He was young. He was like thirty something. <laughs> was he he'd doing been drugs? Medical, he'd been to medical several times over the last few days, complaining about chest pains. And they kept saying, "Come Monday, come Monday, got to come back Monday." So he, he died uh, like Saturday. I think it was like Friday or Saturday. So you know. It was just inconvenient for them to look at him because of the chest pain. You know, it's the weekend. So Kiki died um, and hit the ground. Boom. Died and slid about a foot. And I remember looking down and thinking, like he was right in front of my cell. I thought, fuck, they're going to lock this whole place down. And I'm going to be stuck in my cell for the next uh, all night. 
I better go get some coffee. So I stepped over Kiki's body, <laughs> walked down the hallway, went and heated up some water in the microwave, and stood there. By that point, they called medical and they'd come running up. They got there pretty quick, but Kiki was definitely dead when he hit the ground. So they put him on a stretcher. Kiki was a big guy. So it took like four of them to pick him up and bring him down. As soon as they got him out there, they said, you know, lock down. And so I walked in my room and drank my coffee. And and then I kind of was sitting there drinking my coffee. And I was thinking, did I just step over a guy's dead body to go and get some coffee? <laughs> like, you're a cold motherfucker. I was like, and I'm, that's nothing. Like, nobody shedded a tear, tear for Kiki. There were guys that were walking around like, damn, Kiki dead, man. I've known him 10 years. Kiki made the best pizza. It was like, he's just upset because his pizza partner is gone. There'll be another Kiki. So you, there's like, there's going to be another Kiki. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you, you're going to get desensitized. I remember one time this guy, there was commotion. People are screaming and hollering and running around. You could tell when something happened because people are trying to heat up coffee and borrow stuff from other cells because they, you know, you're going to get locked down. Like something happened in the rec yard and they were screaming lockdown. And this guy comes running over. And he goes, Cox, Cox. And I go, yeah, what's up? And he said, yo, he said, um, my celly just got stabbed in the rec yard. And I said, are you telling me that there's a two-man room available? Because <laughs> that means that he's at stabbed. They're going to move him. He's going to the shoe at least. So and I now know there's a two-man cell that has one bunk available. And he goes, yeah, bro. And he hands me a cop out. And says, fill it out right now. Stick it under the counselor's door before we get locked down. So I filled it out, stuck it under the counselor's door, ran back to my cell. And by the time I got, we got out like the next day, I had a new cell. Were you in a cell alone but prior to that? No, no, I was in a three-man cell at that time. Oh, God. So I was going from a three-man cell to a two-man cell. <laughs> um, there's no one-man cells. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're, so you, you. You're going to be like, this is like, you hear that and you're like, that's horrible. But I mean, that's just, it's a survivor mentality. But, you know, once you get into, you'll get a little job, you'll get a bunch of buddies that you hang out with. When you get there, do not tell them, oh, I'm here for a computer crime. No, no, no they're going to think I'm a chomo. Yeah. White, soft, you're a soft white guy. Yeah. Bad idea. Um, It's going to go bad. And even what's so funny about that is I've known guys that have done that or not told people what they're there for. Like they'll say, um, they'll go, oh, my lawyer said not to talk about my crime. And guys Wait, immediately. Do you guys not have your jackets in federal? No. No, you're going to get there. Well, you can mail off for your, your pre-sentence report. You can try and have it mailed in. But a lot of times they won't mail it in. Like they'll catch it. Now, listen, I've had mine mailed in twice. It got in both times. But sometimes they'll catch it and they'll say, "Hey, you can't have this. We're mailing it. We're throwing it away." So they'll tell so you, you how, can't how have do people it. like join gangs and everything? Then, if there's no like the like the verification process, I mean, you figure out a way to get it in. Like you have somebody shuffle up the papers or mail in a couple pages here. Two days later, they mail in three or four. Like you know, what I'm saying you can get it in. Okay, but you can't just mail it in like just in an envelope that says PSR on it. That's never gonna happen. That's probably gonna happen. So, I mean, that, that's going to be my application for the Aryan Brotherhood. So, I mean, I need, I, to, <laughs> I need to get it in I somehow. Was, when you said gang, I was thinking, there's not going to be any gangs. 
Like you're going to a low. There may be gangs, but you're certainly not going to have to be a part of a gang. Like, hey, you ready? You want to join the woods? Yeah, I'm good, bro. <laughs> Who's going to protect you? Come on, man, stop it. How, so, how segregated is it in federal prison? Like, can you like? To... I mean, it, it. If it was a pen or something, it would be. But even then, they'll mix a little bit. You know, they'll talk, they'll this or that, but they don't really want to share things. It's not like it's not like you're going to a pen in California. No, it's state. You're going to a federal, probably going to a federal low. And that low is going to be, it's going to be soft. There are going to be some guys that are walking around acting like it's a tough place, but no, everybody kind of thinks they're a joke. Like, like, all right. Yeah, I get it. I get it. It's yeah. Well, you know, everybody's a stand up guy, but you know, really you have to kind of know, like, look, if there's, I used to say this all the time at the, at the low, I, you know, guys would be talking about, Oh, that guy over there, bro. He, 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 uh, uh, I heard he snitched on this guy. I heard he snitched on that guy. And they'd be looking at, I'd look over at the guy and I'd be like, that guy over there. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. And I'd say, well, Hey, I, I have a question for you. You guys good at math? And they'd be like, well, I'm all right. Why? I go, well, 90, let's assume that 90% of every of people cooperate and gets more it's even more than oh, that. i know it's higher than that and they'd be like all right and i'd say so if 90 percent do uh cooperate i said so let's go ahead i said and there's 160 guys in this unit that means that you know and, and i said that means that you've got out of this unit out of 150 160 guys you've essentially got um i think it ends up being whatever it's oh, like 150 106 guys i'm like so there's a hundred and i'm sorry sorry there's 16 guys in this unit sorry 16 guys in this unit that didn't cooperate and they're all like so there's five guys standing around me and they're like right right i'm like we can exclude some of those guys immediately because some 10 of the because some of those guys went to trial so they didn't have an option to cooperate because they went to trial so we know who they are and I could just name them, right? Red Bull, so-and-so, um, W, but, and we'd name them off. You'd name off like, like 10 guys, 11 guys. And I go, so that means that there's five guys in this unit, five, that didn't cooperate and didn't go to trial. And have the most time out of everybody. Right. Well, and I would look, and I'd look <laughs> at the guys around me and I'd say, I'll bet it's, I'll bet, you, I'll bet it's you guys, isn't it? I'll bet it's you guys. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, said, are the, what are the chances that all five of those guys are standing right here <laughs> what, no, what no. does shakespeare say thou doth protest too much exactly listen yeah. and that's that's what it is that's what it is so you know like even getting in that conversation is just so, it's just so so much silly like i i didn't i didn't partake in the um you know, the, the, the politics of who did what or this guy or, uh, you know, it's, it to me, it's like, look, I'm getting a routine down. I'm going to find something to do that I enjoy doing every day. I'm going to get a group of guys that I like talking to. I'm going to get a routine. I'm just going to go through the motions and whittle this time away. And, and I did. And it was, listen, it was, and, and honestly, this is going to sound horrible, but for what it is, taking into consideration, it was prison. But for what it was, it wasn't a bad, it was, it was a good experience. It was the best experience that you could have had. So for me, I had the best experience given the situation for what I could have had. 
and in, in a in a lot of ways, I look back on it and I think it was it was a good part of my life. Like I wouldn't want to redo it, but for what it was, it wasn't horrible. So okay, I I, I it's yeah, I see where you're coming from. I see where you're coming from. Yeah. But, and, <laughs> How and many people tried hitting out. you? <laughs> tried what? Try like like because like I could tell you you're very witty. So there would be a giant brutish dude who's saying something stupid, and then you're like, "Oh, that happened." Shut that, up. <laughs> that happened several times. Yeah, I, I I I got I got nutted up a few times. Like literally, I realized going in, it was like I can I can either make smartass cracks and get slapped every once in a while, or I can just keep my my mouth shut for the next 20 something years. And I went, yeah, I, I'm not going to do that. Like I'd rather just take an ass beating every once in a while. Mm-hmm. So, every, so I was probably really, there was only one time a guy actually physically like, like it, I want to say he punched me. He, he bitch slapped me from behind. Cause you know what I'm saying? He walked up behind me and went bam and just hit me. Cause I mouthed off to him. And I had another guy one time that poked me in the eye, but he was mentally off. Like he couldn't be in the regular <laughs> unit. They kept him in the shoe and I was in the shoe with him. I didn't realize he's crazy. So um, other than that, I didn't, you know, I really didn't have any, any, any issues. Okay. So, Luckily but, I'm a much, I'm, I'm a bigger guy. So I don't think people are going to just come screw with me. Right. Well, and the other thing is honestly, like I, I, I don't know if you've ever li- watched any of my stuff, but, but literally if you get stabbed in federal prison, you pretty much had it coming. Like yeah, you did course, something, you did something like people think someone randomly ran up and did something. No, no, you, you ran up a debt or you gambled and ran up a debt, didn't pay you. Um, you know, you can run up store debts. Like guys will have stores. They'll sell stuff out of their locker. Like they'll keep extra commissary in their locker. Alert so you from calendar. Oh, sorry. Big what are they called? They're called the shop men, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you can, do that, you know, and you run up, people will run up a debt and not pay. And then they'll be like, yeah, what you going to wait? You know, what are you going to do? And it may be some old man who's not, you're not scared of, but he'll have somebody just come beat your ass. Like, you know, so, or you talk shit about people, you start mouthing off about people or spreading rumors that'll catch up with you. Like there, there's lots of things that will catch up with you. So, you know, you don't talk about people, you don't run up debts, be polite to everybody. You, you'll be fine. You'll be in a low, you're a big guy. You know, you're, you're, you're going to be, it's going to be, you're going to meet a bunch of people that you're like, I can't believe I'm talking to this guy right now. I cannot <laughs> believe like, you're going to want to say, almost stop the guy and go, bro, I can't believe I'm talking to you right now. You're insane. But don't <laughs> I've do already that. been, I've already been there in the holding right. cell. Yeah. That, that dude was talking about, he's like, they're going to turn me into the next JFK. I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't know what that means. I'm you scared. Know what his was too. What? He, he oh, tried yeah. burning his school to the ground. They caught him trying to burn a high school to the ground. And then he got a federal arson charge. <laughs> what an idiot. Um, yeah, yeah. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Hey, I appreciate you guys watching. And I appreciate Colby coming on and telling me uh, his true crime story. And if you like the video, do me a favor and hit the subscribe button. Hit the bell so you get notified. Also, leave me a comment in the comment section. I've been slacking on comments, but I'm going to jump back on it and really start trying to answer as many as possible. I really need to incorporate my wife and have her answer some questions. 
because she could probably answer some. And sometimes she actually looks through them and says, hey, you need to answer this, this comment. So that's cool. Her name's Jess. And uh, also, I wrote a bunch of true crime books. And so do me a favor and buy one of my true crime books and check out the trailers. Using forgeries and bogus identities, Matthew B. Cox, one of the most ingenious con men in history, built America's biggest banks out of millions. Despite numerous encounters with bank security, state, and federal authorities, Cox narrowly, and quite luckily, avoided capture for years. Eventually, he topped the U.S. Secret Service's most wanted list and led the U.S. Marshals, FBI, and Secret Service on a three-year chase while jet-setting around the world with his attractive female accomplices. Cox has been declared one of the most prolific mortgage fraud con artists of all time by CNBC's American Greed. Bloomberg Businessweek called him the mortgage industry's worst nightmare, while Dateline NBC described Cox as a gifted forger and silver-tongued liar. Playboy magazine proclaimed his scam was real estate fraud, and he was the best. Shark in the Housing Pool is Cox's exhilarating first-person account of his stranger-than-fiction story. Available now on Amazon and Audible. Bent is the story of John J. Boziak's phenomenal life of crime. Inked from head to toe, with an addiction to strippers and fast Cadillacs, Boziak was not your typical computer geek. He was, however, one of the most cunning scammers, counterfeiters, identity thieves, and escape artists alive and a major thorn in the side of the U.S. Secret Service as they fought a war on cybercrime. With a savant-like ability to circumvent banking security and stay one step ahead of law enforcement, Boziak made millions of dollars in the international cyber underworld with the help of the Chinese and the Russians. Then, leaving nothing but a John Doe warrant and a cleaned-out bank account in his wake, he vanished. Boziak's stranger-than-fiction tale of ingenious scams and impossible escapes of brazen run-ins with the law and secret desires to straighten out and settle down, makes his story a true crime con game that will keep you guessing. Bent, how a homeless teen became one of the cybercrime industry's most prolific counterfeiters. Available now on Amazon and Audible. Buried by the U.S. government and ignored by the national media, this is the story they don't want you to know. When Frank Amadeo met with President George W. Bush at the White House to discuss NATO operations in Afghanistan, no one knew that he'd already embezzled nearly $200 million from the federal government, money he intended to use to bankroll his plan to take over the world. From Amadeo's global headquarters in the shadow of Florida's Disney World, with a nearly inexhaustible supply of the Internal Revenue Service's funds, Amadeo acquired multiple businesses, amassing a mega conglomerate. Driven by his delusions of world conquest, he negotiated the purchase of a squadron of American fighter jets and the controlling interest in a former Soviet ICBM factory. He began working to build the largest private militia on the planet, over one million Africans strong. Simultaneously, Amadeo hired an international black ops force to orchestrate a coup in the Congo while plotting to take over several small Eastern European countries. The most disturbing part of it all is, had the US government not thwarted his plans, he might have just pulled it off. It's insanity, the bizarre true story 
of a bipolar megalomaniac's insane plan for total world domination. Available now on Amazon and Audible. Pierre Rossini, in the 1990s, was a 20-something-year-old Los Angeles-based drug trafficker of ecstasy and ice. He and his associates drove luxury European supercars, lived in Beverly Hills penthouses, and dated Playboy models while dodging federal indictments. Then, two FBI officers with the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force entered the picture. Dirty agents willing to fix cases and identify informants. Suddenly, two of Rossini's associates, confidential informants working with federal law enforcement, were murdered. Everyone pointed to Rossini. As his co-defendants prepared for trial, U.S. Attorney Robert Mueller sat down to debrief Rossini at Leavenworth Penitentiary, and another story emerged. A tale of FBI corruption and complicity in murder. You see, Pierre Rossini knew something that no one else knew. The truth. And Robert Mueller and the federal government have been covering it up to this very day. Devil Exposed. A twisted tale of drug trafficking, corruption, and murder in the City of Angels. Available on Amazon and Audible. Bailout is a psychological true crime thriller that pits a narcissistic conman against an egotistical pathological liar. Marcus Shrinker, the money manager who attempted to fake his own death during the 2008 financial crisis, is about to be released from prison and he's ready to talk. He's ready to tell you the story no one's heard. Shrinker sits down with true crime writer Matthew B. Cox, a fellow inmate serving time for bank fraud. Shrinker lays out the details. The disgruntled clients who persecuted him for unanticipated market losses, the affair that ruined his marriage, and the treachery of his scorned wife, the woman who framed him for securities fraud, leaving him no choice but to make a bogus distress call and plunge from his multi-million dollar private aircraft in the dead of night. The $11.1 million in life insurance, the missing $1.5 million in gold. The fact is, Shrinker wants you to think he's innocent. The problem is, Cox knows Shrinker's a pathological liar and his story's a fabrication. As Cox subtly coaxes, cajoles, and yes, cons Shrinker into revealing his deceptions, his stranger-than-fiction life of lies slowly unravels. This is the story Shrinker didn't want you to know. Bailout, The Life and Lies of Marcus Shrinker. Available now on Barnes & Noble, Etsy, and Audible. Matthew B. Cox is a con man, incarcerated in the Federal Bureau of Prisons for a variety of bank fraud-related scams. Despite not having a drug problem, Cox inexplicably ends up in the prison's residential drug abuse program, known as RDAP, a drug program in name only. RDAP is an invasive behavior modification therapy specifically designed to correct the cognitive thinking errors associated with criminal behavior. The program is a non-fiction dark comedy which chronicles Cox's side-splitting journey. This first-person account is a fascinating glimpse at the survivor-like atmosphere inside of the government-sponsored rehabilitation unit. While navigating the treachery of his backstabbing peers, Cox simultaneously manipulates prison policies and the bumbling staff every step of the way. The program. How a con man survived the Federal Bureau of Prisons' cult of RDAP. Available now on Amazon and Audible. 
If you saw anything you like, links to all the books are in the description box.